Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome to the astrology show. I'm I'm Kira. I'm your host. Hi. <laughs> um very excited to share this episode with you. It's it's one that I know I say this a lot, but I've been like dying to record this with these two people for so long. So the fact that it's finally out in the world is exciting for me. Um yeah, Lisa and Patrick are like the the ZR goats in my opinion, two of them. Um there's definitely, you know, I would I would throw Chris Brennan in there too for sure, but um I've seen both um Lisa and Patrick speak on ZR a ton over the years and I talk about it, but I had a reading with Patrick where we went over my zodiacal releasing, so this was a real treat to record and um yeah, they're both astrologers I've looked up to for a long time, so super special. Um before we get into it, yeah, let's see what housekeeping do I have for you. Just another reminder to um check out the astrology shop. theastrology.com/shop. Um I have tons of lectures and workshops and intensives and um yeah, just fun stuff, fun learning for you. Um everything from like kind of beginner stuff Let's talk about SMR workshop. Um, we talk about the sun, moon rising. Um, what else? I just have so much stuff. <laughs> Astrology that hits is one of my favorites. It's a, a weekend workshop that I taught that is essentially about um, essential dignity and synthesizing the chart. So it's all about chart reading, you know, teaching you how to read the chart and put everything together. Um, I also have timing that hits this timing intensive. That was really, um, fun to teach back to basics another intensive that I love teaching. Um, and then a bunch of other workshops too. So, um, I would implore you to check it out. Hop on, hop on over to the shop and browse around. Um, yeah. And what else do I have to say? Yeah, just keep an eye. If you're not on my mailing list, you should be because um, there's there's a lot of like just fun stuff I have going on all the time that I keep you I keep you abreast of. <laughs> um, so that includes our eleventh house guest workshops. We have two next next month in April. Um, the theme in April for us at the eleventh house is sort of like writing, um, and we. We have uh, my publisher, my book publisher, who, um, yeah, who I love dearly, is a friend of mine, um, is coming in to talk about publishing. And that is everything from like self-publishing to, you know, move, working with a publisher, an agent, all the things. So that's coming up in April as well, as well as a guest workshop by Ari Felix. Um and just more fun stuff to come. So be sure you're on the mailing list. And um, I also like to give some like, you know, cute little discounts sometimes um, in my mailing list. And the doors to the 11th house open back up very soon in April. So if you're interested in that, be sure to get on the list. Um, we have a lot of fun in the 11th house and it's, it's, it's just been such a pleasure and a joy to to um 
host that space into yeah yeah um i guess we'll get into it let me let you guys listen to this amazing episode um again if you're listening to this on audio and you're more of a visual learner um it might be helpful to check this out on youtube we post every episode on youtube and um this one especially has some visual aids to it so that might be helpful for you um you can also just watch it straight from the astrology site theastrology.com slash the astrology show um with with dashes in between the words yeah yeah so enjoy excited to hear what you think um yeah Hey, Patrick and Lisa. How's it going? Hi. Hey, Kara. Good. How are you? Thank you for having me and us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to have you both here to talk about zodiacal releasing, aka ZR. I feel like I always abbreviate it to ZR. We were just talking about our Mercury placements and yeah, my Mercury and Sag is like, I need to abbreviate everything that I can. (laughs) So we're going to talk about ZR today. Um, but before we get started, neither of you have been on my podcast before, so welcome. Um, it's truly an honor. I'm, I've, I'm really stoked. I'm really glad you guys both agreed to do this. Because um, when I think about like the people who know ZR, like you two are definitely the top, top two people that pop in my mind. Um, Chris is up there too, but Chris already did a four-hour four episode. <laughs> I'm not going to make him talk about ZR anymore. I mean, you were on that episode as well, Lisa. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm just stoked to to have a, like a ca- casual um, conversation about it because it is a topic that I think is so big. So it'll be nice to kind of bring it down to earth a little bit. Um, but before we get into it, I just want to introduce you guys or have you introduce yourselves. Um, if you want to share your SMR just your sun sign, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with sharing, you could share. Um, and then, yeah, talk a little bit about your practice. Lisa, do you want to start? Sure. So I have a Sagittarius sun and um, I do consulting work with clients um, individually. I also do an electional astrology podcast, which is um, using astrology proactively to plan things ahead of time to hopefully make them go better than they might otherwise. So I do that under the um, Auspicious Elections podcast, which is a subscriber benefit for the astrology podcast. And um, let's see, I've also been doing editing. I don't know if I should even tell the astrological community that, but I've been doing some <laughs> editing of astrology books the last few years or co-editing or, you know, fact checking, astrology or proofreading, things like that. So it's, so it's like sort of a weird little niche that not everyone has both skills to do. So I've been doing that as well. Um, my practice is a blend of both Hellenistic and modern astrology tools. Awesome. Yeah, you did editing for um, Chani's book, right? You were born for this? I did that. I did proofreading at the last minute on Chris's book, uh, Hellenistic Astrology, the Study of Fate and Fortune. Did and that I've take just... you a full year? <laughs> 
No, because uh, that actually I did at the last minute. And so it wasn't as thorough as I would otherwise do. I was like, you don't have a proofreader? What? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was like madly doing it midnight for two weeks, you know. Um, and then I um, more recently did um, Demetra's new books, Demetra George's oh, cool. new books, um, Ancient Astrology. I did volume one a few years ago. Um, which was quite the project. And I'm actually right on the index at this point of volume two. So almost done. Wow. Gosh, okay. That's really exciting. Cool. Yeah. I feel like that book, I mean, all, all, all three books that you just mentioned, and I guess fourth one upcoming are such like staple books for me in my library. Um, so yeah, that's really cool that you had your hand on all of them. I'm mm -hmm. really excited for Demetra's um, second book. Yeah, hopefully you're gonna get her on the soon. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I want to get her talking about it too. Mm -hmm. um, awesome, thank you for sharing. And we yeah. we know each other, I guess, through Twitter, right? Through and we I met so. at Norwalk 2019. Yeah, I was trying to think of how we first met, and I was like, I think it was Twitter. So Twitter sometimes has good things that happen, <laughs> <laughs> especially in like 2018, 2019, when it was still a little bit more. I don't know. It just felt a little bit more like community friendly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that was that was good times. <laughs> but of course, yeah, we, I mean, people probably ha are ha can recognize you, your name or your voice or your face, depending on how you're consuming this right now um, from the astrology podcast hosted by Chris Brennan. So mm -hmm. um, that's definitely I mean, yeah. And I, I start listening to that podcast in like 2015 or 16 or something. So I feel like I've like obviously I've known you, but I've known of you for so long. So it right. feels really cool that you're on my show now. Yeah, I'm um, happy to be here. Yeah. So yeah, Patrick. Hi. Yeah, I'm Patrick Watson. Um, my books, my, my natal chart is an open book. I, I uh, have a Libra sun, uh, Scorpio moon, and I'm Leo rising. Uh, so yeah, I have both lights in the sign of the fall, which is actually pretty funny because my mother was an astrologer and she sort of oh, tried wow. to elect my birth but I ended up coming a couple of weeks early anyway and I ended up coming on the one day of the year where you know, both <laughs> lights are in you know signs which are supposed to be unfortunate for them but uh you know notwithstanding that I was born during a mercury retrograde so I suppose that's part of my my deal but um yeah my practice is uh fairly similar to Lisa's uh, we, I also practice a blend of modern and uh, traditional astrology, and I'm honestly, I'd, I'd honestly just call myself an astrologer at this point without even putting traditional on there because I feel like that term is sort of uh, charged or something. And so I, I think an accurate description really of what I do is, yeah, like a blend of modern Hellenistic traditional uh, techniques and concepts. Uh, I do uh, consultations with clients on a on an individual basis. I also do. Uh, I also have an electional service where I'm picking good times for people to do things. I also do rectifications where I am helping people who don't know their birth time to figure out what their birth time might be by kind of reverse engineering their time. I also uh, answer horary questions, and I also do one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Um, almost, I almost feel like at this point, I'm like an unofficial TA for, uh, Chris Brennan's Hellenistic astrology <laughs> course. Um, because <laughs> I get so many of his students who sort of, uh, have, uh, different questions. And so, 
Uh, that is what I do. I also, um, in the past, I have done uh, a lot of videos on YouTube. I am planning to get back to that at some point. I also uh, have written a ton of uh, articles on uh, my website, and I uh, still do release those uh, now through Patreon, but um, I do still update the blog every once in a while. Uh, not as much as I wish I could, but it's been busy. And um, what else do I do? Oh, I guess I sort of known for, I guess, making memes, I suppose. <laughs> Astrological memes. But um, yeah, that, yeah, so I'm, uh, that's, that's, that's what I do. I, I just do astrology day in, day out, seemingly. Yeah, lots of astrology. Yeah, you offer a lot of services. Um, rectification, folks. Patrick, I, I, I'm eventually going to do that for my parents, I think. Pennsylvania doesn't put birth times on their birth certificates. No, that's wild. The entire it's state. so annoying. Yeah. I mean, luckily, my mom remembered my my birth time. <laughs> um, that's great. But yeah. So Lisa does rectification yeah. as well, correct? Oh, do you do? I do. Um, it's all on pause right now while oh, okay. I catch up from my, my weird past year. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit in the mix as to whether I will continue doing it or not. But yeah, I have been doing it up to this cool. point. Cool. Yeah, and you both do electional, um, mm -hmm. which is I stopped doing it <laughs> for clients um, after 2020. I don't know how that year right. was for you guys electionally, <laughs> but so many people were like trying to squeeze in weddings, and mm -hmm. I would take I would take it on and feel so horrible, <laughs> just so mm -hmm. stressful that I just stopped doing it. I, I recently elected um, a colleague, another astrologer's wedding. For, which is upcoming um, for this year, but I just said yes to her and I was like, don't tell anyone I'm doing this for you. <laughs> how it was 2020 or 2020 was kind of, 2021 was kind of hard too. How how was that mm -hmm. for you guys electionally, like weddings especially? Mm, yeah, I mean, it was a little challenging. I feel like in 2019 and then into 2020, it was a bigger shift, you know, in contrast because 2019 mm -hmm. was really great for elections in many ways with set, yeah. uh, um, Jupiter and Sagittarius, its own sign. And then once I settled into 2020, I feel like the, you know, the, the couple years that went forward after that point, I was just like, it's all the same. It's all this, you know? So yeah. it didn't strike me as like hard because it was all kind of like that. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I did end up having to, um, uh, help people pick, uh, some different times, um, than they had previously chosen uh, because of uh, mm -hmm. interruptions. But it's interesting because I did um, I did have to tell a few clients back in 2019 that it looked like a lot of the year of 2020 wouldn't necessarily be good for their event. And so that ended up being kind of, for sort of different reasons, mm -hmm. but that ended up being kind of mm -hmm. interesting advice in, in hindsight. Right. Um, wow. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you have to work with every individual case. Some people, are, when they come to me, are usually planning out weddings and stuff like years in advance anyway. So I'm usually looking at dates so like in 2023, mm -hmm. you know, at this mm -hmm, point. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, that's a little bit about, yeah. about that. Yeah, I, I kept getting, I got a couple people trying to get a wedding in in like the last four months of 2020, which was the Mars <laughs> retrograde. Mm -hmm. square sad like all of that and I was just like geez like it was so stressful um but yeah going forward it's a little bit easier mm -hmm. I elected my future wedding date which 
I'm not even dating anyone at this point. Um, <laughs> and it's in 2024. So I'm like, fingers crossed. I meet someone soon. <laughs> Seventh house That's year great. come through. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, let's get into it. Let's, oh wait, actually before you two have known each other for quite some time, right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. When did we first meet? Well, the first time I ever heard of you, Lisa, was when Chris asked me a horary uh, right. back in 2008. <laughs> If you if a relationship oh. was going to begin and the answer was yes, <laughs> and the two significant is perfected on the day of your first date, so I, that's when I first wow. heard of you. But I didn't know that it yep. was you. Um, I when we actually first met, I maybe it was at a conference. I was wondering if it was the AFA. Uh, yeah, maybe conference. AFA. Uh, yeah. Maybe yeah, in like 2011. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But uh, that, yeah, I think that's when we actually first uh, sort of connected. And then I, uh, but yeah, I, uh, 2008 was the first time I'd known of you in any abstract sense. You were a significator yeah. at one point. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Jupiter, if I remember. <laughs> was that that's Jupiter? awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the Sag was Jupiter. I love that. Um, and yeah, I, I forgot to say, um, I had a reading with Patrick a couple months ago. I think it was like September or something, which was so great. Oh, and <laughs> mainly wanted to like look at ZR and these kind of longer term timing um, to be like, yeah, am I going to get married by 2024? Mm. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, just I'm again, stoked to be talking timing with both of you because um, you've both been influential in my understanding of learning timing. And I just taught timing for 12 hours last weekend so this feels very full circle saturn return all the things um mm -hmm. so yeah let's get into it let's talk zodiacal releasing so i kind of wanted to just start by talking about what is it because i'm sure there's people listening right now who are like have no idea what those two words even mean um does does anyone have like a good sort of like summary of what zodiacal releasing is do you have a do you have one of the ready, Lisa? <laughs> I I would go with the um, book analogy, but maybe you have a yes, better one. Yes, exactly. I think we all do. No, yeah. it's a Hellenistic timing technique. It comes down from Vedius Valens, um, and it divides. It's kind of a timing technique that divides your life up as though it's a book. Um, so there are major chapters. One of the unique things about it, however, it's that it's not just dividing your life up into single chapters, but there are subperiods as well on at least four levels, and um, and so that divides your life up into, say, chapters or paragraphs or sentences, that kind of thing. Um, so it's a pretty unique thing. Um, I, it's definitely the most unique timing technique that I've learned so far. It's uh, similar to the Vimshatori Dasha das system, Dasha's, if you know yes. that from uh, Indian astrology. Uh, it's like the Western version of it, I guess. The uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and um, so it's a sequence of periods each chapter uh the length of each chapter is based on the domicile lord of the sign that it corresponds to so in order to um in order to calculate the length of those chapters you have to know where you're starting from where you're going to be releasing from uh and it goes in order of the signs of the zodiac from whatever starting point you have which is why it's called zodiacal releasing your your these uh sequences are progressing through the signs of the zodiac or releasing through the signs of the zodiac mm. so mm -hmm. it's kind of releasing the potential there yeah. of like whatever mm. is to come about that's um, a helpful and, way of putting it 
Mm. The two major things that I always talk about that it can do is one that um, it kind of orients where you are in your narrative arc of uh, of um, in your life. It's not it doesn't track everything in your life at once, so that's important to say from the outset. So you pick specific topics and you start with different lots. So you start with a lot of spirit, for instance, if you're looking at career or general life direction. Start with a lot of eros for um, relationships, love love affairs, basically, um, and then. Um, for some people do releasing from the lot of fortune for health matters or things that befall you through no fault of your own is kind of a archaic way of saying it. Um, um, but so, um, one of the things it does is orients you into where it is because it's a three part sequence and it's oriented around hard angles from the lot of fortune. So that's the middle of the sequence always. So if you take, um, hard angles, all four hard angles from the lot of fortune, whichever sign yours is in. Those are the so-called peak periods. And I think a lot of people get caught up, I want to say as a sort of like dispelling myths thing, a lot of people get caught up in the peak periods as thinking those are the only good or important periods. And it's like, oh, I don't have a peak period for 30 years, you know, and it's, it's not the only good or important period. So it just orients you to the middle of the action. So those are the most active and important with regard to whatever you're doing. Um, and often the most prominent, although not always. Um, peak doesn't then, necessarily just, mean good, right? No, it does not. Yeah. That's number two in the list. Okay. <laughs> no. And, and so that just tells you where, where's the middle of the narrative arc. And then you have, you always then have this, and the, it'll be all of these, the same modality of signs that are in that middle. And then that tells you which modality of signs comes just before those, which are the preparatory periods and the ones that come after the peak periods, which are, I like to call follow through periods. I think there's a That's few a different word. terminologies yeah. going on around that, but, um, you know, um, and so it's kind of like slowly hiking up a mountain in the preparatory period then being on the top for a while and then slowly hiking up back down. But I don't want to um, emphasize the back down too much because people do get caught up in it in a way that's not actually accurate to how it plays out. You mm -hmm. may come back down towards the end of the third part sequence, but not like right away. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like sum that up where we're looking at these, like you said, chapters of life, which in Chris's book, um, Hellenistic Astrology, that he also uses that analogy of like, it's like your life is this book. Think about it as Chris's huge ass book. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's divided into chapters. And the first chapter, um, it, it depends on which lot you're really looking at. Um, so you can look at your book maybe in the perspective of your relationships. You can look at it in the perspective of your career um, prominence, and then also in the perspective of your body. And like Lisa said, things that befall you through no fault of your own, which is what fortune refers to, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the lot of the moon. Um, and so, yeah, we're looking at a chapter or we're looking at a, a book of your life from one of those perspectives or whatever other lot that you want to release from, because there's a lot for everything. Um, and and, and those chapters are going to be varying lengths depending on um, the sign. Basically, the chapter is going to, yeah, I, uh, I don't know if I'm putting it the right way. But yeah, we're going to be mm -hmm. varying lengths. Um, Capricorn periods are 27 years, mm -hmm. whereas Venus ruled periods, Libra or Taurus are eight years, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and then within that chapter, we're going to look at sub periods, or you can look at that as paragraphs within the chapter we're going to have some longer paragraphs 
some shorter ones. And then even from there, we can look at the different sentences um, and even the different words, I guess. You can go even further with that. So, so yeah, that's kind of the overview of that. And then within those, um, those periods, those chapters, some of those periods are going to be more prominent, which we'll call peak periods. Um, and what Lisa was just saying, like, not all peak periods are, it, peak doesn't equal good <laughs> um, necessarily. Um, for some people, their peaks are great. For some, mm -hmm. they're going to be a lot more difficult. And it really depends on um, the signs involved in the planets, the planets aspecting those signs, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, when we're talking when we're talking peak periods, it always comes back down to the lot of fortune and the sign that fortune is in, and then the signs of that same modality or the signs angular to fortune um, will all be peaks. And we also have mm -hmm. different levels of peaks, you know, moderate peaks, major peaks, etc. Um, but yeah, peak period equals high activity does not mean peak as in you're at the top of the world and everything's great <laughs> although sometimes mm -hmm. yeah. if a chart supports it you know those periods yeah. can stand out in that in those respects um mm -hmm. and uh so i i have a couple examples that i think are kind of interesting for, of that once we're ready um, cool. yeah. yeah i'm excited Patrick, to did, look at that oh i was just gonna ask if you wanted to speak to the quality because we haven't fully uh, yeah. Well, to investigate the quality of a given period, the main thing, Kira briefly touched on this, the main thing you're going to look at are the sign-based aspects that that sign receives from the other planets. Uh, primarily, the benefics and the malefics are going to be uh, the way that you can see a more obvious manifestation of this, but uh you also want to pay attention to the sex status of the these planets uh because a say uh, a superior square from your contrary to sect uh malefic uh would be probably much less desirable than say a superior square from your malefic of the sect in favor so if you were a day chart mm -hmm. then mars is your more problematic planet Therefore, the signs which are angular to your Mars, especially where the sign where Mars is, as well as the sign where Mars is in superior position, those are going to be um, potentially some of your most difficult. Whereas if you were a day chart and Saturn um, is, uh, or rather you're releasing to signs which are angular to Saturn, those might have their own sort of set of uh, difficulties or hardships, but they would be surmountable. They wouldn't necessarily be like the worst things that happen to right. you necessarily. So um it can there are other things you can look at as well um but you're basically looking at the relationship of planets to the sign and it doesn't matter doesn't it doesn't have to be by degree it can just be by sign we're just using sign based uh aspects um it can get really complicated and there's other things you can take into account obviously if a sign for example if there are no planets aspecting a sign by sign then uh, you might uh, pay more attention to the ruler in that instance. Um, uh, although you could also potentially look at the ruler in other cases as well, but um, again, it gets really complicated. So um, it, it might help <laughs> once we're able to look at a more concrete example because we're talking in the abstract and anyone who mm, hasn't heard yeah. this already is probably going, okay, I'm, I need some help here. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I'll just add that one. If you we we will be showing some visuals with this, so if you want to like, if you're listening to this and you feel like you're a more visual learner, hop onto our YouTube because we'll be showing some yeah some visuals to explain this. And two, if you don't know about sect, the difference between day and night charts, we have an episode, season two, episode one with Jason Holly. We went deep into that. Um, and if you're interested in learning about the lots, we have an episode in season two. I think it's like episode 14 or something um, with Jake and Mo about the lots, too. So just wanted to plug those two in case you haven't heard those um, and might be helpful for more context around this. Um, but, yeah, I do want to show I do want to show um, folks what this looks like, too, on Astro.com because the visual is so helpful. Um, and mm -hmm. kind of talk through that a little bit. Um, I'm actually going to pull up my chart because I have a really good example of um, what Patrick was just explaining in regards to like the quality of the different periods and how I entered life into a 30 year terrible period for love. <laughs> and I'm finally out of it, but I have a really good example for that. So first of all, you're, you're going to go to astro.com sign in or just do a guest profile and then um, maneuver your way to um, horoscopes and horoscopes, drawings and data section of astro.com and then ex extended chart selection. I actually bookmark extended chart selection. It's just like on my bookmarks bar because I go there all the time. So I would recommend that if I were you, if you're, if you're on here a lot. But basically here's my chart. Um, oh, I didn't say when you do when you do the chart drawing, you're going to want to um, you're going to want to go to chart type regular natal chart drawing style is Hellenistic is that's what you want to see zodiacal releasing. And I think we can thank Chris Brennan for this, right, for mm -hmm. for getting astro.com to implement this. Um, and so we just look at the chart. Here's my chart. Um, and then if you scroll down, you'll see these columns, these four columns, level one, two, three, and four. And um, you can choose what you're releasing from. This is so weird. That's not my, okay. I was like, that's not my chart. <laughs> um, <laughs> those are not my lots. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was going to say something, but I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here's my chart. So yeah, we have these um, these four levels that we release from. So to kind of explain this, level one is is sort of those those chapters we were talking about in the book, um, those larger chapters. And to not go too much into how they're broken down, it's it's basically years, months, weeks, and days, right? Yeah, and level one's anywhere from eight to thirty years, depending on the sign period, um, and then. The level twos are one twelfth of the level one periods. The level threes are one twelfth of the level two periods, and so on down. Yeah, and um, yeah, what was I about to say? Oh, yeah, and like you said, the the we're basing these the time on planetary periods. So each planet is associated with a, a number of years. Mm -hmm. Um, and for so yeah, for the moon it's twenty five. For the sun it's nineteen. Right, mm -hmm. twenty. 19. Sun is 19, Mercury is 20, 19. Venus is 8, Mars is 15, Jupiter is 12. Saturn is a little strange, and there are some mm -hmm. things about this that don't make a lot of sense, but if you read the original Valence text, mm -hmm. he addresses it. 
uh, when you're in a Capricorn period, it's 27, but when you're in Aquarius period, it's 30. So, mm -hmm. um, that you just have to remember, uh, those, uh, amounts of years. Also keep in mind that these are not 365 day years. These are 360 day years. Um, why, uh, that's a good question. But one one I think it's just math, right? One <laughs> interesting <laughs> one interesting thing about that though is for example with um with the Mars period, Mars has a period of fifteen years. Um that's based on the real astronomical Sun Mars recurrence of when every fifteen years the Sun and Mars both return to the similar point in the zodiac together. And it's not exactly 15 years. It's like 15 years minus like a couple weeks or so. And so three, 15 360-day years is actually closer to the real astronomical Sun-Mars recurrence after 15 years than 15 365-day years. So don't completely discount uh, the uh, the use of 360 day years that there is something um, strange about that. I'm not sure if there actually is like a, a real explanation of that given somewhere, but the um, it, what's important is the re the way this corresponds to any kind of astronomy is that you know the beginning of a given Aries period, for example, the Sun and Mars will be at a position which is very, very close to where it will be at the very end of that. Aries Zodaka releasing period. They'll be back in that same kind of position and relationship to each other. So mm -hmm. there is uh you know, there is some astronomical basis to these periods. It's not just mm -hmm. not just math, it's math and meaning. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for that. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, we have these longer periods in level one. Um, and essentially like sort of what Patrick just said, the way the math works. So I, I started out life on this cancer period. That's where my lot of fortune is. Um, and cancer periods are 25 years. So we do 25 times 360 days. And that we end up here July, <laughs> July 9th um, after, yeah, 25 and so years after I was born. Um, and then we go into level two and we're splitting how does it go there's like 30 day months right 30 day 30 day months two. exactly mm -hmm. yeah it's mm -hmm. so yeah so then 25 times 30 for 30 day months we get level two is about you know two years for the most part um and then level three <laughs> we go into 5.5 day weeks uh, or i think something? it's 2.5 2.5 times, right? yeah, uh, the number. The, the number of people, yeah, the number, <laughs> the number associated yeah. with that that sign. And then for the weeks, we have 2.2 day weeks or something. Something like that. I'm like forgetting yeah. it. I might have gotten this wrong. <laughs> this is perfect <laughs> Mercury retrograde out, storm. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, all you need to know is that each subperiod is one twelfth of the previous period and what it what that amounts to is on level one they're anywhere from eight to thirty years. On level two, they're um, 
uh, I think eight months to two and a half years. Um, level three is a few weeks to a couple months, and level four is just a handful of days. You could theoretically so that's go the further. way I always think about it. Huh? <laughs> you could theoretically go to L five, L six, but this, I mean, it, that's kind of I, our hours and, and minutes and seconds. I can tell you, I think level five works. Level five is a <laughs> thing. I think there is a level. Yeah, five. level five is a thing. Yeah, the loosening uh, of yeah, the bonds. Yeah, because if you watch. If you watch the, not that you all need to start with this, if you're just starting with this, but, but level five, you know, in the level fours that are the longest, which are the Capricorn and Aquarius periods, the Aquarius being the absolute longest, you can notice sometimes a shift around when there would be a loosing of the bond On L5. to level five. Yeah. I have noticed this for sure. No, that's um, for real. So I'm glad that you, yeah, no, you were on the same page. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> not that people you, need to worry about their level fives. <laughs> you you taught about like smaller sub periods that one of the Norwax, right? It does, is that something mm -hmm. you mentioned? Um, no, I, I may have said in passing at least four levels. That's usually how I word it. I, <laughs> I actually think there's at least five, but we're not going to go into that. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't get me started because now I'm, now I'm going to start looking at that. Um, so yeah, that's basically how the levels are, um, are, Organized, divided, yeah, yeah organized. <laughs> um, and they're all all the level twos, threes, and fours. They're all nested inside of each other. So I often like to use the analogy of like the Russian nesting dolls, mm -hmm. where they're all you know the level one is the base, but then the level two is inside that, and then the level three is inside that. So even though you see it visually here, like side by side, everything that's represented from level two, three, and four, those are all inside that first level one in Cancer or whichever one you're highlighting at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. So I just kind of, um, if you're, if you're watching, I have my ZR, um, up from releasing from fortune and this is what I'm at currently. So I'm in this level two. Well, I can, we can kind of explain it by looking at my, my lot of fortune, which is in cancer. It's in late cancer. Um, and so all my, all of my cardinal periods are going to be peak periods because of, mm -hmm fortune and that's releasing from any lot that's right. something I, that's like i think can be hard to grasp but sometimes if i'm releasing from spirit or eros or any other lot i'm still looking at um signs angular to fortune so mm -hmm. signs that are of the same um modality as the sign of the part part of fortune um does do either of you want to kind of explain why i kind of i kind of teach it as like you know it's the lot of the moon and the moon can make things manifest in the physical reality. Um, but yeah, do you guys have any like explanations around why it's a lot of fortune we release or mm -hmm. we, we start from? Yeah. Well, well, do you mean for the peak periods? For the peak periods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what this technique does, which I love about it, it's one of the bunch of things I love about it is this shows the intersection of what you're trying for and circumstance. That's what literally this is showing. And so the what you're trying for is like the lot of spirit for career or things you're trying to do with your life. The lot of eros, it's like relationships, you know, love interests you're trying for. Um, but the lot of fortune is the circumstance piece. And so that's what we're mapping, literally, you know, which I love literal astrology. Um, but uh, so you're, the starting point is what is this about? And the intersections of... Um, a lot of fortune are chance that either help or hinder what you're trying for. And um, you can see that when you look at some grounded, you know, examples or in real time when you're watching your own, it's really acts of chance that intersect with what you're trying to do that make or break kind of like what you're doing for, which makes sense on a 
you know, just common sense level too, right? Like you want to make movies, but like, you don't know anyone in the film business. Like, are you going to have that chance break or are you not going to? Mm. Or is someone going to cut off what you were trying to do and they get the chance break, you know, and that like turns your next five or 10 years in a different direction. It's that kind of thing that we're looking at. And that's why it's the intersection with a lot of fortune. The, the reason I find why fortune means what it does, or I guess the philosophical basis of the meaning of the lot of fortune is circumstance is that its calculation derives from the light that is of the sect in favor and is di being directed to the light that is contrary to sect. Presuming you have a day chart, the sun is associated with light, which is like uh, uh, spirituality, soul of the mind, things which are mental. And it's being projected to the contrary to sect light, which is the moon, which is the light associated with the darkness and material matters and and uh so you have the sun which is like soul and mind and immaterial things versus the moon which is more material and carnal and and physical and so the movement the the distance from soul and mind towards the moon of body and physicality represents um uh things going from that state of of kind of ideal states towards imperfect physical incarnations and and the sort of chance-like nature of of things being brought down from sp spirit into matter so um that mm. characteristic distance between the sun to the moon in your chart if you're in a day chart is going to rep that point projected from the ascendant is why that particular degree of your lot of fortune that's why it represents chance and 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 physical circumstances and that's why it's given that nickname you refer to kira the lot of the moon now of course this scheme is reserved reversed when you're a night chart in which case the uh each of the lights are kind of exchanging roles because now the moon is the light of the sect in favor and the, the sun is is uh the like contrary to sect but it still mean has still has that still retains that uh original meaning of of going from uh, kind of what's ideal or expected in that state and going towards that contrary state and that unknown or undefined or or chance uh like uh nature says so pretty abstract but that's kind of my understanding at least of like why does fortune mean what it does and you know i think one other myth <laughs> correction i'd like to make is that fortune does not mean good fortune necessarily right. it's more like the right. wheel of fortune right it's any fortune yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah the word fortune itself is just so associated with like money and wealth that and we associate that with you know greatness <laughs> so it is hard to sort of remove that and i always come back to like fate and fortune just that phrase in and of itself it's the fate part really kind of like <laughs> hammers down that it's not just it's not always good fortune. Of course, the grand um, irony mm -hmm. is that Zadok releasing would seem to indicate or suggest that even chance itself is fated. Um, okay. <laughs> even randomness right, exactly. has an order. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which, you know, isn't completely far off from like chaos theory and, you know, uh, what's his name? Feynman's ideas about how chaotic systems are occasionally come into order. Anyway, bit of a bit of a tangent. No, I love I love the tangent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just reminding me of like how the sixth house is the house of bad fortune. You know, we we have both good fortune and bad fortune. We have the Venus and the Mars. 
Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, when we're talking um, about peak periods, it's always the signs that are angular to or, you know, the same modality as fortune. You pull this back up. Um, and those are and those are our peaks. And again, we look at we can look at my chart to see. So my fortunes in Cancer, um, angular to fortune. I don't have any um, malefics, which is nice. <laughs> um, but and I do have my benefic out of sect. My Venus in Libra is angular to fortune. Um, and something that Patrick brought up during our reading was the fact that I have the ruler of fortune angular to fortune. My Moon. Um, is also a pretty important part of this important important part of things becoming manifest. I think is the, kind of how you put it, um, or at least it it helps a lot. It's uh, it's that's, <laughs> that, that's an eminence mm-hmm. factor. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, one of there's a there's a few conditions for for so called eminence in in one's chart, and so some of those involve having the ruler of fortune or the ruler of spirit in the tenth sign from fortune or in each other's signs, um, or in signs of the domicile or exaltation um yeah so you have that eminence factor which would indicate that when you reach aries periods you would be able to uh activate that eminence and we would probably say fortunately so since venus is Mm -hmm. opposing yeah yeah and that's i'm in one right now i'm in a level two peak look at that um, that's 10 for fortune (laughs) so this is releasing from spirit now right yeah this is releasing from spirit um, and it's great. And, and yeah, I, I just wanted to point out that like, um, my peak periods are these cardinal periods, but my prep periods for me, I experience them as even better a lot of the time, um, than my peak periods because my prep periods are mutable periods and look who's in mutable signs, my benefic of sex, Jupiter. Um, mm-hmm. so I do tend to really enjoy my prep periods. Peak periods tend to be pretty good too. Um, but I definitely feel, I don't know. I just, I just experience them as a little bit better. I think the, the prep periods mm-hmm. and then, and then we get into my, um, I call them closing periods. What did you call them, Lisa? Follow through periods. Follow through. What do because you call Because they follow them, through from the, you know, the peak periods of whatever that you did sense. or decided. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I was trying to figure out how, to, like, what term to use. Um, but I like that one. What do you call them, Patrick? Uh, continuation, completion. I've kind of danced around, not completion, but um, <clears throat> I've kind of used different terms. Sometimes I just refer to it as a succeeding period. But yeah, mm. follow through is probably a better shorthand yeah i like that i like that a lot um so yeah those are the periods that come after peak periods and those are my shitty periods because <laughs> both of my um <laughs> uh, both of my malefics are dignified and in fixed signs squaring each other so um i mentioned that i started off you know i started off my life in a 30-year kind of shitty period for love when releasing from arrows which mm-hmm. actually this is the first time i ever learned that i call releasing was um chris taught like a workshop years ago um for for like a valentine's day special that was like about releasing from eros and i remember just like doing it like by hand like the lot calculations by hand and then finding out that my eros is at like 29 degrees of aquarius and i had to reckon with the fact that yeah i started out life (laughs) 30-year Aquarius period as someone with Venus and Libra and chart ruler in the seventh house you know I'm definitely 
have always been like a romantic, hopeless romantic. When am I going to find my love, you know? And then I learned this and I had to sort of, you know, that was probably like four or five years ago. And I had to just be like, okay, just make it to 30. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I made it, I made it out of that. So to explain why it was such a shitty period, Aquarius periods are 30 years. I started my life on one, um, on, on releasing from Eros. And again, what's angular to my lot of Eros, or sorry, what's um, my, sorry, let me rephrase that. My um, <laughs> my uh, peak periods, my, my follow-through periods are fixed periods. And I have um, my Saturn and Aquarius co-present in Eros, and then overcoming that is Mars and Scorpio as my malefic out of set. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I learned that. <laughs> took a, took a little bit to digest and reckon with that, but mm-hmm. I made it to June 2021, and now I'm in a much better period um, when it comes to love and relationships. And it's only been what seven months, so I haven't I haven't met anyone yet. But I'm I'm giving it until I'm excited for this upcoming um, peak. This Angular level two period. period. There you go. Yeah, yeah. with Jupiter and entering actually, Aries. Yes, Jupiter will enter Aries right around this time. I um, land in Barcelona on this day. Mm, (laughs) And it's the same day that my level two um, spirit peak ends. So it's literally like I get to chill off of work for a little bit and focus on finding a husband. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. that's that's like I like to use that example um, to just explain how that might look. But. Also, like I have these pretty, I have a pretty clear example, I think, in my chart, whereas some people will have, you know, their benefic of sect and their malefic out of sect angular to each other Mm -hmm. or, um, or, you know, stelliums where there's just like a lot of, there's always a mixed bag in a lot of cases. Um, And so we'll we'll definitely look at some examples. Um, Oops. Okay. We'll look at some examples to to illustrate that. But like we mentioned earlier, like not all peak periods are great and some Mm -hmm. of them are a mixed bag and some of them can be pretty bad for some people. Um, Yeah. Oh, and I think before we go into examples, we should talk about loosening of the bonds. Is it loosening or loosening? I say You can kind of say it either way, but loosening, yeah, loosening of bonds, I think usually. I just realized that when I was like, <laughs> kind of like brushing up on stuff for teaching last week. And I was like, this whole time I've been saying loosening and it's loosing. <laughs> it's all right. Yep. I think either goes. Yeah. 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 Mercury and touch. Yeah. <laughs> I always blame it I mean, on that. I think one of the things that's important to note, just like as you showed your example, is a, it's a really good example of that everyone's going to have their malefics and benefics in different places in the timeline. And like you were just saying, some of them can be like mixed, good good and problematic because those are both in the same quadruplicities. Um, But so everyone's gonna start with a different one and end with a different one. And so it can go from like best to like mediocre to bad, or it can go the reverse, or it can, you know, be like everything good at the end and like hardest in the middle and a little hard in the beginning. So everyone has a different mix of those timelines, which I think is another fascinating thing about this um, technique. And the other piece of that, that I think is really interesting that everyone has a unique um, place in is 
different people start their lives in different places of that three-part sequence. So you were pointing out, for instance, that you started in your follow-through period for releasing from Eros, right? And so what that means, even though that doesn't sound great, especially since it's angular to both your malefics, is that after your first 30 years, you get a whole new start, right? Yeah. And everything is better than that going forward. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's always something good to be said about whatever, you know, sequence combination you have. And and I did start out life on a peak period from spirit too. And I was was a little golden child for the first eight years of my life. Yeah. I mean, when you hear the phrase yeah. people peaked in high school, you know, sometimes that's literal, right? you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have the I had the same peak as Justin Bieber. I think we have the same <laughs> spirit and fortune or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I didn't become like I didn't become famous like Justin Bieber, but <laughs> similar mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. What were you going to say, Patrick? Uh, I was just going to say the other interesting thing about this uh, phenomenon is that it means that because of the length of Zadok releasing periods, it's improbable that you could live a whole life and experience all of them. And so that tells you that, uh, you know, there may be some parts of your chart that you didn't really ever really fully experience, you know, on the major level period, just because you won't live long enough. And, um, and so in some cases you might avoid the worst possible scenario in your chart. In other cases, Mm -hmm. you may, just miss your best one um you know and mm-hmm. uh that's just a weird thing to think about that there are potentially some charts out that, like when you're looking at a chart and it doesn't seem that impressive but the person has done quite well in their lives with it then it almost uh, makes you wonder you know maybe they um they were able to make the best of what they had you know they were able to make the best of what they were given they just happened to be spared you know the sort of less flattering aspects of the natal chart so it's just uh it really uh widens you know your view of of uh, astrology it's one of the only techniques we really have that allow you to look at an entire life and sort of make sense mm-hmm. of it on that kind of large scale um mm-hmm. and uh it also makes you it forces you to kind of confront your own you know uh uh well that life is finite and, and that uh there's only a small chunk of this that you're really gonna be able to get to experience and so really uh pretty humbling too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i know chris um in his book mentions that like you know there's some ethical concerns that can come up when when using this technique and yeah that's that's kind of what happens when you do when you start to learn traditional astrology and you're studying fate and fortune um that yeah just having to reckon with you know the fate or fate or free will question and and that type of stuff can can get heavy you know i have sun mars pluto in the ninth so (laughs) that type of stuff does get pretty heavy for me but um yeah it's important to think about yeah it gave me a huge philosophical crisis when i first learned it um which was like in 2008 and um i at first didn't actually want to know it. I was like, why did you show me this? <laughs> I don't need to know that. <laughs> like, which is funny now, because now I like do lectures on it. But, um, you know, it took a bit of rearranging in my head, like how life works. And I think it is, astrology does that a bit overall, but like this really does because mm-hmm. it sort of pushes it even further into like, if this much is predetermined and you can see that right on the page before, you know, decades ahead, then you know, then what are we doing here? You know, and it just forces a lot of 
um, philosophical rethinking, I think. Um, you know, for me, I think you can still, I landed in a better place after a bit, and you can still sort of understand taking actions in your own life, you know, without feeling like, well, you know, nothing matters because it's all predetermined. It, that's not where you're, I don't think you're supposed to go with this because, you know, the, the lots that you're releasing from particularly a lot of spirit and arrows, they are involving your volition. They're involving things you yourself are trying for. So even if, you know, you are predetermined to want those things and to try to pursue those things, you still enact them. And it is still a part of what you genuinely want. So, um, you know, I don't think it, it's not all fortune. It is mapping truly the intersection, even if your desires are potentially also predetermined. Mm -hmm. I think the experience of living through them matters. I think that's like one key piece that um, a lot of people get hung up on when they first learn Zodiacal releasing, at least philosophically, is, you know, oh, my God, everything's so predetermined. I don't want to know that. You know, and it's like, no, it still matters that you live those experiences. It's not just that, you know, they're on the page already in terms of like the calendar. And so it doesn't matter. Like, no, you have to go through those. So that makes a lot of sense. That's really helpful, I think, for, for folks to hear. Um, also, before we get into loosening of the bond, just one other thing about ZR that I think is so cool is that it can really show the difference between twins and their their lives and how different their lives can play out, um, mm -hmm. how differently their lives could play out if, you know, there's even a couple minutes in between birth um, and potentially, you know, the lot changes signs or something like that. I have an example. Have you guys of that. seen anything like that? I have, oh, an, you example have an example of that that I, can, <laughs> that I can show if you'll want. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, because um, we have a lot of twins in my family, and I just mm -hmm. know a lot of twins. Um, and so, yeah, Gemini fourth house. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I've I've thought about that a lot, and I'm excited. You have an example. Cool. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, does anyone want to explain the loose, loosening, loosen, loosening of the bonds? <laughs> um, yeah, the LB. I'm going to share my screen again just to to like show what that looks like. Um, but yeah, does anyone have like a nice little summation of what what that what that is, what that looks like? Let me see if I have one. Well, it's one. just a major turning point. So, I mean, that's essentially what it is. You can, you know. Get, elaborate on that, but it's a major turning point. So um, in the signs that are long enough to start repeating on the lower level, on a subperiod level, and potentially go all the way back to the sign they started with, um, and if they try to do that, instead it will flip to the opposite sign at that point. And that's what the loosening of the bond is called. Um, it's literally an interruption of the sequence, which is why symbolically it is a major turning point. So um, yeah, both literally and symbolically, it's a turning point. It tends to be a time when people, um, you know, take some major step or have something happen that's like um, a major determinant on their trajectory going forward after that point. Um, and then you can get into, you know, further things about it, like, because there are a few different ways specifically that can go, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah, it's like essentially... Plot twists. Um, for the example, yeah, the, the example that's here on the screen is like level three began with the Gemini period. And so once we get, you know, go through the entire zodiac and we are about to get back to Gemini, we're, we're at Taurus now, instead of repeating um, the cycle, it will repeat at the halfway point, basically. So instead of going to Gemini, it goes to the sign opposite of Gemini, which is Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like I remember from maybe from the episode that you and Chris did, 
that sometimes the the LB the the loosening period um, will bring up something that happened at from the period the last time mm-hmm. that sign was released. That yeah, correct. Yeah, that's true. That almost always it does. Okay. Um, sometimes people know what it is, and sometimes people don't, though, mm-hmm. um, because. You know, I th- I'm pretty sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, but I think um, Chris coined the term foreshadowing period. Yeah, I think so. I don't think that was a thing. Yeah, just, yeah. no, I mean, it's not in Valens or anything. Yeah, but the, no. yeah, the <laughs> first time you encounter the sign that eventually there will be a loosing of the bond to, there is often a topic which is introduced where you try to do something which may may not come to fruition, but it may be when a process is sort of started or hinted at that ultimately... Mm-hmm comes to bear full fruit you know once you get to the the sagittarius the the rather the loosing of the bond in this case it would be you know in in january 20th 2025 through february 19th 2025 would be the foreshadowing of what occurs october 7th 2025 to november 6th 2025 uh and i would even say that anytime you have a sign which repeats you can see uh repetitions of or or strange bizarro versions of what happened previously sometimes they can be mirror images sometimes they can be literal reversals of what happened before in other cases they can be magnifications of what came before so maybe you mm-hmm. uh you know so maybe on um um on the foreshadowing period someone might write a book but then at the loosing of the bond is when that book is made into a movie you know it would be mm-hmm. like the kind of evolution of that same sort of idea um, where, you know, it changes forms or it becomes magnified in some respect. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, um, it allows you to be able to make connections across time. And that's how, that's a really good way to be able to use this technique more predictively uh, is mm-hmm. once you understand what a given sequence seems to be referring to, then you can start to make some uh, estimations as to what, the eventual result will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you talk to someone like pretty soonish after their foreshadowing period, because they remember, you know, if it was more recent, um, they remember what they were thinking about or doing. Because one of the tricky things about it is the foreshadowing period is fairly often some, you know, not in all cases, but fairly often something that someone um, starts to do something. And then it doesn't come to fruition at that point. They either put it on the back burner for some reason or something interrupts them or whatever. They change their mind. In that case, that does usually come to fruition in some form at the loosing of the bond. But of course, it's hard to remember things that didn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that only st- you only started to, to think about or do. And so, you know, much easier to think about things that actually did happen. So the further you get away from that, you know, it depends on different people's memories as to, you know, like how vivid that is. Like, oh, I was thinking about doing this thing. So in some cases, it's that. It's like they start something, it it stops, and then it comes to fruition later at the loosing of the bond. In other cases, it's like you were saying, Patrick, um, you know, you do actually do something during the um, foreshadowing period. It's pretty much just that. And in that case, um, that's usually brought up to the next level. It's kind of ramped up um, at the loosing of the bond. And then occasionally I see reversals from the foreshadowing to the loosing of the bond. I personally see that less often than the first two, but I do occasionally see it. would also say that it would probably depend on um at least somewhat on like the general nature of the loosing according to whether it's happening from a light ruled sign happening to a to a uh, um mm-hmm. a saturn ruled sign or uh, i i think the reversals 
might be um, more associated with the mutable loosings, which mm. um, you know Mercury <laughs> can uh, can and and uh, yeah, the mutable signs in general, uh, you know, can be more uh, um, uh, squishy or or uh, <laughs> something like that. Mm. Uh, so you might yeah. see uh, yeah reversals or or uh, just um, things which come out of the blue, seemingly. Um, I want to throw in a fourth, which I only see once in a while, which is people still keep going on their trajectory, but there's a temporary interruption. Hmm. I think this is like the least common one that I see, but I have no noticed it once in a while where people still are trying for the same thing, like through the whole level one period and they hit the loosening of the bond and it interrupts their ambition for some reason and they get thrown off course, but then they return to it after mm -hmm. the loosening of the bond. Less often, but still happens. I, I can think of I can think of one actually. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> well, I do want to look at examples. I do have like two kind of questions for you guys before we get into that. Um, that just are on top of my brain. One would be um, in regards to the luminaries. I know we we really do mostly look at the benefics and malefics in regards to the to the quality of the periods, but I'm curious if you guys have had any, um, yeah, reflections on, um, the luminaries and, you know, maybe luminary of sect and their role in regards to like the quality of periods. I don't know that it necessarily, I don't know that I've necessarily been able to pinpoint a, a specific quality that it gives it. However, um, I have, I, I guess I have seen times when people enter, uh, say, um, a period where the where the sun and moon are present, and that might be a time when there is a lot of ambition for glory, you know, which we might think of mm -hmm. as the sun, or a time when when it's the moon, we might think of oh, this is a time when people are appealing to the masses in some respect or have a following of of some sort. Mm -hmm. So there is a kind of more of a public dimension potentially to the luminary, especially if they're of the sect in favor. Uh, Mercury tends to provide more uh, variation and uh, and ups and downs, and can sometimes contribute its own significations of um, uh, activities, especially in the context of spirit releasing activities that relate to Mercury, despite uh, speaking, writing, uh, selling, advertising, um, planning, strategizing, all the kinds of mercurial sorts of activities. So that's the only way I'd say that they provide a kind of quality. Um, I do actually have, uh, once we get to the examples, I do have an example of using, um, the angularity of the sun, moon, and mercury. So you kind of get to see what that looks like. Cool. Um, yeah, that was just something I was curious about. And just to sort of, uh, um, get this out of the way, cause I feel like there's probably people listening and wondering about this trines and sextiles to fortune how would you talk about that because for me they don't it doesn't really show up <laughs> when, we're, when we're doing zr when we're looking mm -hmm. at the trines and sextiles but curious if you guys have any any words about that um i don't use them to fortune itself like trines or sextiles to fortune itself um really uh i think once in a while they can come into uh as a factor if they're modifying the condition of a major player that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, so like, say this is your malefic contrary to sect period, um, or it's in a hard angle to malefic contrary to sect, but that malefic contrary to sect in your chart has both a trine and a sextile from both of the benefics. 
that can theoretically you know, bring up the condition, not just in your natal chart and how that plays out in other timing techniques, but potentially in this. I feel like um, most of the time, I would say I focus more on heart angles to benefics and malefics in the periods themselves. But um, I do occasionally, if something is like really mitigated, I sometimes notice the quality. Um, and in that case, it is usually better than you would expect. I think a full accounting of a particular of analyzing a particular period um, would you'd probably want to take into consideration the other aspects being made, uh, but you'd want to prioritize the hard aspects. Um, if you were going to incorporate like sign based sextiles and trines, and you probably want to pay more attention to the superior ones, the ones that occur mm -hmm. from the eleventh and ninth house positions. Um, uh, I probably. Yeah, I mean, I might, so for example, if Jupiter was in a superior trying to a period, then I might just think, okay, you know, this is a sign which is being assisted, you know, by some degree uh, from Jupiter. There, I think there might be a second sort of way you might interpret that question, though, which is, you do look at aspects being made to a lot of fortune, in which case I would say, well, focusing on sign-based aspects primarily for this technique, of course, if someone has a planet that is exactly conjunct, you know, a lot, I mean... You know, I, I I wouldn't really interpret it that much differently from it just being in the same sign. Um, so it's sort of a interesting quirk, but not materially um, uh, pertinent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then the one like other little overall question I'm going to ask is like, how do you guys use this? And you know, outside of working with clients, what how do you use ZR in your your everyday life? Um, to me, it's just integrated, just kind of like when people learn astrology and then they get accustomed to looking at transits and it takes them a second in their head to think about what that means for them. It's kind of like that. You just integrate it, you know, into your mm -hmm. understanding of, oh, I'm glancing at my ZR and oh, that happens today and that's going on with the level two and therefore, okay, I know. You know, it's like, it's something that you just maybe check once in a while. Now, when I first learned it, I stared at it for like eight years, um, not because I was confused, <laughs> because, you know, I think I recommend it um, because it goes down to the level four. And so you really can't know, you know, truly internalize how it's working unless you watch it constantly and see what happens with your own chart in particular or those close to you. Um, because if you're talking to clients, you're not going to get all that information. You're going to get little snippets and you're, they're going to forget some of the things, you know, it's not in real time and so forth. So, um, anyway, um, so, I mean, that's mostly how I use it and it's a very similar way to transits. I'm just like, Oh, okay. That's where I am right now. It's kind of like a map in time that says you are here, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I'm like, right, that's where I am. Right. You know, or if something happens, I'll be like, you know what? I bet I'm in that period, and I yeah. always am. <laughs> um, because level I don't check it constantly. Yeah. Well, level fours go by quickly. I, I actually have a very tuned sense at this point because I have chronic health issues. Whenever I'm notably more exhausted than usual, I am always like in a peak period because it's angular to my malefic mm. country to sect. And um, I'm like, yeah, right. I thought so. I actually, like the very lot of fortune sign itself, pretty much every time. I'm like, oh, it's that one. There you go. Yeah. So. And I use it for prediction as well in a casual sense, you know, for my own life. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's how I actually have a funny story for that. Um, we were deciding. So I was one of the many coordinators, but I was one of the org head coordinators for UAC 2018, United Astrology Conference, 
the big worldwide conference, the biggest in the world. Um, I was on the planning process for like five years. I think I was the only person <laughs> that was there from the beginning to the end. And so when we were deciding um, when to hold UAC, and we were like debating between different charts, you know, electionally and, and different timelines, I was like, you know what, that's not when I wanted it, but I bet that's what, when it's going to be because I was looking at my own spirit releasing. And I don't remember the specifics anymore, but I was like, yeah, it looks like that one's going to win out. And it did. Yeah. It's, it's wild how I think what you said, like you really do have to sit with it and stare at it for a while. I am right now, like I have a window on the other side of my screen and I have like 10 different post-its up, like showing my, my spirit and my arrows for like the year, um, just so I could literally stare at it and, you know, keep it in my mind. Um, but yeah, even things like when I get, you know, an important email, it's like, I look, I look at my level four from spirit and it's like, oh yeah, look at that. I'm in a little peak, you know, for these mm -hmm. two days or something. So it mm -hmm. really, once you're like really digesting it and paying attention, it, that's when it really comes alive. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. How about you? Patrick? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, I agree with both of you. I, I, um, that's definitely in line with how I use it. I'll just have a short anecdote about a way I used it in my personal life. So Back in, um, I remember very distinctly, it was during the Venus retrograde of 2009, um, I was looking at my errors releasing and was really doing a full workup because I wasn't very, uh, I was very lonely, I might say, at that time. And so <laughs> I started doing an intensive on my own error ZR and I was in the middle of a 20-year period where the malefic contrary to sect was opposing the period. And so, um, you know, love life had not gone well, you know, up to that point, I was in my like early twenties at that point. And, um, uh, but I identified that I would be reaching the peak period, the 10th sign from fortune on the sub level within that bad overall period. And it was in aversion to the Malefic contrary to sect. So it was, and the rulers were as well. So it was really a time it was that particular sub period within the bad period really stuck out for being kind of unusually good looking and it went exact or rather it, it started uh on some date in april of 2012 and uh so i forgot about this this is you know four years later and in april 2012 i uh joined this i was asked to be the accompanist for this like like pop choir thing that started. And so I, I went there and it was like full of ladies and I was still single at the time. And I was thinking like, well, it'd be really weird if I met someone here and I completely forgot that I was, you know, I just entered like my, you know, biggest, uh, 10th period, but that's where I met my current wife, um, was, uh, through the rehearsals <laughs> for this uh, choir, which it, it was almost down to the day, um, wow. you know, that we, that we met and I had looked at that before and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I really, you know, totally called that, you know, basically to the, you know, the very week, you know, that, uh, that, uh, this came about. So wow. pretty huge. So it was interesting that, yeah, in, in a, it's, it's interesting too, because that particular sub period within the overall desert of a bad time, you know, uh, was it, 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 that was what seemed to highlight the fact that that was a particular time in which it would be very, very different from the surrounding context. And, um, and right after that was kind of the loosing of the bond where I basically had to make some hard decisions about if we were going to stay together or not. And so that was actually my example of, uh, an interruption that didn't, 
completely end things because we were able to make it past that um you know but mm -hmm. yeah that's um so now i'm in a new period which is much better and you know we're happily together still so um babies and everything right <laughs> so uh yeah so it's um it's wild you know using it in your own personal life when you when you notice certain signs, the activation of certain signs or activation of certain sequences in your life, that's when it starts getting really eerie because, you know, the same thing starts happening. You, know, you, you start doing the same thing when you come to those same sort of sequences and, um, you know, it's impossible to even plan it that way. It just kind of happens that way. So, yeah, it really makes you mm -hmm. question <laughs> how much control you really have. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the weird thing about DR. Yeah. That's so. That's so cool to hear. Yeah. Let's, of the let's get into some more. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh no, yeah, no, no. We already did that. No, we did that. Right. Yeah. 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 No, we I already talked about that. <laughs> thought you were referring to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's look at some examples. Um, okay. Lisa, do you want to start? Um. Sure. Let me pull up. <clears throat> If See I, if for some shares. reason, like, disappear, I just, there's, like, guys running around doing some stuff outside, and I'm, like, very mm -hmm. afraid they're going to turn off the internet, but hopefully not. <laughs> so just okay. letting you know, just in case. Okay. Um, okay, so this is Kamala Harris's chart. Um, I'm pulling this up not to talk about her entire chronology, but just to show, because this was one of the ones I was looking at a few years ago, um, like, towards the end of 2018. And I was like, oh, my God, she's about to really move up. I remember, and I remember this so well, like you mentioning this even way before the elections, even I think it was before she was even named VP. I remember oh, yeah. you mentioning this. So this is yeah. I'm excited for you for you to talk about this one. Yeah, I'd posted something in like early January of 2019, because a few months before that, in late 2018, I was looking at it and I was like, it was really striking. So. I want to show that. Um, so basically, we're going to do re releasing from spirit with her chart. Let me move this over. So um, her lot of spirit is um, Sagittarius. This is actually one of those where the lot of spirit and the lot of fortune are in the same sign because she has her moon, moon and sun opposed. So in that case, when you do zodiac releasing, this is important to know if anyone listening is in this situation, you move the lot of spirit for releasing purposes only to the next sign. Um, when I first learned this, it sounded incredibly arbitrary to me, but it works. Um, so anyway, um, so looking at her um, lot of fortune, it's in Sagittarius. Looking at the benefics and malefics, she has just one of those four planets in a hard angle to that sign, which is Venus. She has a night chart, so Venus is her best benefic. It's the benefic of the sect. Um, and it's in 10 signs from the lot of fortune. That's very auspicious. Um, not just to have uh, the benefic of sect in any sort of hard angle to your lot of fortune, but particularly in the 10th sign from fortune. Um, so basically because the most peak periods that you'll hit when you're doing zodiac releasing are hard angles from the lot of fortune itself and 10 signs from the lot of fortune, even though the other two are important as well and are genuinely peak periods, but those two are like the most peak periods. So when you look at her spirit releasing, um, and if you're, Wondering about the layout, this is from Solar Fire. Um, so if you look at her spirit releasing, it starts with Capricorn here um, for 27 years. And 
So she was born into a follow-through period. Um, then she entered a, new, a whole new three-part sequence in June 1991. Now, she's one of those people who there was actually more of a continuation, in some regards anyway. There wasn't like a major rift between like what she was doing during that first period of her life, even though it was a follow-through period, and the whole new three-part sequence, which there is sometimes for some people. Um, there was to some degree, I would say, because when she, she came from activist parents and she ended up being a prosecutor. And so that is a rift in some sense, but it wasn't like night and day in terms of the realm of what she was working with. Anyway, um, so we go here. She, I think it was like at the end of, here, let me pull up my notes real quick. So in 82, she um, started college at Howard University. And that was her loosening of the bond here. So you can say that's like a really important turning point for her in terms of what comes forward from that, which I would imagine it would be. Um, she does that. Then in 86, um, she graduates Howard and begins law school that fall. Now that's interesting because, and I'm just going to point out these few little bits and then go to the main thing I was looking at, um, because that was actually her Virgo level two. Um, and Virgo is 10th from fortune for her. It is her best period. So then she gets into law school, which is great. Um, and then she, um, let's see, she graduates that she becomes a deputy district attorney from 1990 to 1998. So that starts her whole new level one. Mm -hmm. Now, when you start a whole new level one and you're already in that kind of position, you're, you're just going up from there. And so that's interesting because many people, when they start their whole new level one, they're, you know, they're just really starting things, but that's already starting at a, a decent position. Um, so for instance, in, um, it was November 12th, 2008, that she announced that she would run for California attorney general. I'm skipping forward a little bit, um, just for time's sake. So that's here. That's her loosening of the bond here. It was um, just the first period. This is something to know if you're watching your own. It's really interesting to watch the very beginning, the first sub-period on level three of the new level two. It will often tell you what's happening going forward or at least give you some clues. So she announced during this period, actually during that little loosing of the bond on level four, um, <clears throat> then she, um, she won her primary race in June 8, 2010, which was here. Hmm. Virgo, Virgo, her best sign, 10th from fortune, right? So you hmm. can see these, you know, little things, even though we're not going to go through all of them, um, where those signs should stand out, you know, when you're watching your own or someone else's, you know, um, sign of fortune, 10 signs from the level of fortune, and the sign of benefic of sect in particular as the best ones. Now, if those happen to coincide as they do here, all the better. It's just really gives you a lot of good luck in terms of what you're trying for. Um, so what I was noticing, um, closer to her running for president here was that, um, you know, she was getting all the way to the end of this whole level one. And this level one was a preparatory period for her because, um, Pisces comes up late 2020. That's fourth from fortune. There's a lot of fortune in Sagittarius. So that's her, her peak period on level one. Doesn't really matter that it's just fourth from fortune, because if you hit a level one, angle from fortune and, you know, on any sign, um, that's going to be a, a peak for you because the level one is the big picture of your life. 
And so I was thinking, oh, she's about to hit Pisces here for a year from summer of 2019 to summer of 2020. And that's just leading her into this. I mean, there is technically a few months of this one, but it's leading her into this whole new level one. I was like, I think, you know, so it was a pretty easy call to make that she was not that she would necessarily get the specific position that she got, but that um, she would be heading upward from what she was already. I think I'm, I missed the senatorial um, race here. She, um, did I write that down? She ran for, uh, yeah, I must have not written that down. But anyway, she ran from, for senator in there, obviously, before then. So where, do, where can you go that's upwards from senator, right? President, vice president, cabinet position, mm -hmm. if you're running for that sort of realm. Right. Okay, so I figured she'd at least get a cabinet position, if not more. Um, and then, so there's a, just a few little really interesting things right here. Um, one of them was, so she was running, but then she dropped out of the race. And I was like, why did she drop out of the race? She's in this great period, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I was like, that something, and you know, whenever that happens, the astrology will still be right. You just often don't know why it's right until later, right? And so I'm like, she's still in this great period. Um, so it turns out she dropped out near the end of 2019 during this period right here. I love these subperiods. So this was going to be um, Pisces level two, Gemini level three. Those are both peak periods for her. When they start stacking up, it becomes more important. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it, I read this roundup that said, <clears throat> excuse me. It was talking about how Biden chose his vice president running mate. <clears throat> and one of the things it said in passing was um, that they met at a private airport by chance during October 2019. No way. Oh, wow. um, Biden, Biden and Harris did. And that they went off. It was like her husband's birthday and they went off to like talk privately. And that this was sort of said by people around them to help solidify their bond. I see. So that wow. happened right then. And I was like, you know, something's happening. You just don't know what, right? <clears throat> and then you get this. There's one more. Sorry, my voice is a little going out. Um, on April 8th, 2020 was when <clears throat> Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. Do you all remember when that happened? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sorry. One sec. No, yeah, no problem. <clears throat> and so even though um, Biden wasn't officially the nominee for a while, everyone was like, okay, he's the nominee right at that point, right? So that was April 8, 2020. I'll wow. let you talk for a bit, Patrick, after this. But look at this. Um, right here. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> level Pisces, four. <clears throat> Pisces level two, Virgo level three, which is her benefic of sect, 10th from fortune. And then Gemini level four, which was 10th from the, the next level up, which is another important interpretive principle. So anyway, that was just really impressive. Um, and so that can say one of two things. That can say she knew she was going to be picked. I don't know if that's, that's not the official story, but she, she could have known that. Um, it could also say it doesn't matter that no one knew this at this point. This shows that this was the crux of like what was going forward for her, mm -hmm. right? Because this is the chance part. So um, anyway, you know, before all this happened, I saw, you know, the swearing in would be just less than a month before this level one started. So I had a pretty good feeling that they would win because of that. 
That's literally yeah. like what I held on to was your analysis of this. I was totally. like, I'm not going to watch the news. I know it's going to be a shit show on the election day. I'm just going to trust Kamala's yeah. ZR. I think, uh, yeah, Lisa, I wish you that you had uh, published something about this prior to the uh, election because I think it's really a, a very impressive uh, observation and, um, you know, one that if you're familiar with this technique, you can see pretty straightforwardly like, oh, Mm -hmm. Pisces is the, you know, angular to fortune. Right. Like it, it's got to be something big. My my only fear uh, prior to the election about about this period is the fact that it happened after the election itself, because I thought, what mm -hmm. if it's only a bigger period for her? Because this is what sets her up to be able to run in 2024. Say if Biden right. lost, then she'd be able to run. Yes. And it like. So I was kind of afraid at first, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I really would feel a little better if it happened, you know, a little before election day. Right. right? You know, <laughs> right, um, right. but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, great call. Great call. Yeah. And, and you, you can see she's going, she will be on a level two. Period. Yeah. There you go. There you see, Kira. <laughs> 2024 too. Yeah. 2024 um, is looking good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Pisces I mean, is like her 10th house. There's just so, there was just so much there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I think it is important to know because it looks like an easy call in retrospect looking at this. And it certainly is a very simple example, which is why I wanted to show it. It's very clean. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it wasn't inevitable that she would win. You know, um, in many political races, you don't have good chart data for all of the candidates. And so, you know, you're going to be prominent by virtue of just running. You're always going to be prominent by running, right. even if you don't win. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's a little bit of trickiness with regard to political races with this, but this was clear that she would at least be moving, you know, you have to take the particular life in context. She would be moving upwards in more prominence um, and greater activity from what she was already doing, which was being a senator. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if she were lower down, yeah, maybe it's like, oh, well, maybe she will, maybe she won't. But you know, this gives a little more credence. Now, the other thing with this is you could easily have said, okay, well, she won't win, but she'll be in the cabinet. Um, and then she'll run in 2024. And then, you know, you can look down because this is a 12 year peak period. Mm -hmm. um, I find it very impressive that she got in right at the beginning because mm -hmm. there's still more to go. I remember, I don't remember if you were on the episode or not, but I think you were that Chris did about the election. Um, I, yeah, the post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there was, like on top of when you start layering stuff, you look at her yeah. um, progressed Saturn had just finally moved into Pisces because I think she was born with it retrograde at the very end of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. yeah, things like that. Like there were just so many other things, too. And then the fact that it's like 10th from Fortune Peak with her benefic of sect in that sign. And hey, she has a fallen Venus and it's still, you know, it still counts. It still counts no matter. The, it still counts. Yeah. 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 Well, it's also conjunct yeah, Uranus and Pluto, right? So this is like, you know, yeah. she's the she's the boundary. She's the one that, you know, broke the boundary. Hopefully, you know, she'll she'll so many get that ways. next yeah. one, you know. Yeah. The the highest one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, That's so true. Thinking about yeah, like the fact that it's a fallen Venus conjunct Uranus and and um Pluto and she was a is the first female vice president, is the first mm -hmm. black, first, you know, um, India and like all of these things that she's kind of like breaking. Yeah, that's that's an that's another good point. Also, it being a fallen a fallen Venus and 
coming from that like kind of not to say she was you know well she's an out, outsider she's coming into a, a yes you an know, outsider exactly. a, a, coming into mm-hmm. a yeah coming into a a, a, a very <laughs> exclusive club you know and yeah. and shattering mm-hmm. that boundary i think it would take a fallen venus you know to truly embody that mm-hmm. yeah definitely and you know one more thing to point out about that this is obviously one thing i had wondered about ahead of time was well, she's going upward in a period that should be more positive for her than this whole level one that she'd been in up to this point, which had already um, emphasized her two malefics. It was Aquarius level one before, all the way for 30 years before that point. It emphasized Saturn, prosecutor. Mars, and Jupiter. Hmm? She was a prosecutor in that time, right? That's, yes. It's a good yes. Saturn yes. in the ninth. She's the Absolutely. law enforcer. I mean, right? one, of, one of the things I have noticed that, you know, just as a tip for people who get scared about their malefics being emphasized... I've noticed a fair number of times, although usually it talks about the quality of the period that you yourself are experiencing. So you yourself are experiencing problematic things, challenging things at that time with regard to your career, if we're doing a lot of spirit. Um, Sometimes when people are working in a field that the topic itself is hard things, I've seen it kind of take that energy sometimes. Mm. I've seen it with like people who do trauma counseling. They're like, oh, no, it's fine. Everything's great. But like they're talking about really hard things all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of fascinating because it's not I don't actually fully believe that you can always remediate everything in your chart. I I have some doubts, but um, but I have seen that sort of transmute that sometimes. That's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Um, Oh, but that actually wasn't my point. So my point was that um, that um, I had forgotten my point. So we were talking about the malefics being angular to Aquarius. Right. But then now, as of, you know, the end of 2020 and going forward for 12 years, it's just her benefic of sect being angular. And I was like, that doesn't sound like the experience of being a president or vice president of a country. Usually you have a lot of problems, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what is that? But I mean, I think one of the things you can see is um, that other things still matter. So this can be very overarching, the, you know, the timeline and the qualities of the Zodiac releasing. But She's still in her Saturn return right now with a night chart. She still has Pluto in hard aspect of both of her lights, you know, to the sun and the moon. So, you know, those things still matter in terms of her experience, even if this timeline is also very impressive. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. Also take note that Jupiter is casting that square back at Saturn and Saturn's in its own mm-hmm. sign. So that's another way. Oh, that, absolutely. It's another way you might say that, uh, you know, her Saturn is nowhere near as bad as we might otherwise expect, even for a night chart, mm-hmm. because of those mitigations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that does matter, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just having a benefic in there at all versus only malefics, right. it's a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, so that's my great example. example. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that one. Yeah, welcome. Patrick. So yeah, you, you know, I, I'm I'm somewhat known for all of my political zeals. So I'm really glad that you got that out of the way, Lisa, because <laughs> I didn't want to. I, I thought I didn't. I just didn't know if people wanted to necessarily hear all, all about like zeal and politics. So I decided to try I to find. Well. <laughs> uh, I, I decided to go with uh, I guess some more uh, sort of um, less political examples. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is Lin Manuel Miranda's chart. Uh, oh, fun! Well, let's. Cool. I've never seen his chart. Let's share. <clears throat> yeah, so Lin Manuel Miranda. If you don't know him, he is the um. He is a composer. He's a composer of the smash hit 
uh, Hamilton musical. Uh, let me find out where I can. I think it's this button. Okay. So this is Lin-Manuel Miranda's chart. So he was born during the day. Uh, his lot of fortune is at three degrees of Aries. And his lot of spirit is at 10 degrees of Taurus. So we know that his uh, peak periods are going to be the signs which are angular to the lot of fortune in Aries. So that's Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. And these should be really active because not only are those the signs angular to fortune, but they're also angular to the uh, natal angles as well, which Vedius Valens tells us sort of amplifies this even more. And um, when we look at what planets testify into these signs, we can see that the only planets which actually testify to these signs or make an aspect, a whole sign hard aspect to these signs are the sun, Mercury, and the moon. And when you look at those planets, you can see that they're each trying these planets, Jupiter and Saturn. So I would say that the sun in the 10th trying Saturn would probably promise respect, esteem, renown, especially from leaders. And you might recall that Lin-Manuel Miranda you know, he wrote about this uh, founding father, you know, and he first premiered the first song from Hamilton at the White House. Um, mm. You know, this wow. is someone who who got some mm-hmm. big backing, you know, from leaders. And then, of course, the moon in the 10th is trying is directly applying a trine to Jupiter. Um, and this is an extremely well-received uh, musical. He's someone who was who was really uh, captured, you know, um, you know the the rhythm i guess of of uh that people want to hear and mercury in the 10th um with saturn in mutual reception would elevate the crafts and arts of mercury in speech writing performance and general cleverness and he is the writer of all these things he's a fantastic lyricist he's really the lyricist i think of you know his generation uh you know he's a talented rapper and so forth so we can already see just from the condition of these planets in his natal chart in the 10th that these would be things which are important to him, but it's the fact that they're um, angular to the periods which will be angular to fortune, uh, which tell us that, you know, these are the things which will sort of come in play. Uh, His exceeding periods are going to be the fixed signs. Um, Those are going to be potentially more mixed. There's less planets that actually witness those signs directly by any kind of hard aspect. So in that particular case, you might consider the rulers of uh, those signs. Only the nodes in Uranus are really... um, you know, testifying to those signs very strongly. And his cadent periods are going to be the mutable signs, which are going to be really, really mixed because he has uh, Venus and Jupiter and Mars and Saturn in those signs. So those are going to be quite mixed (laughs) indeed. So one of the quotes that Vegas Valens gives us um, about specifically about the 10th sign for fortune, he says, if the distribution goes from spirit to MC, the MC relative to the lot of fortune or to the lot itself. And if the ruler is there with benefics, the sun or the moon in aspect, and if the base of the nativity is full of glory, the native will come to power and great rank and will be distinguished, ruling and prominent in those chronocratorships. He will be called blessed by many because of his prosperity. Basically, all this is saying is when you reach the 10th sign from fortune and it's well supported that this is someone who could reach to high heights. So uh, if we look, so when you do Zodaka releasing from the lot of spirit, we see his lot of spirit is in Taurus. So that's going to start the first year, first um, eight years of his life, this uh, Venus period. Um, Then he moved into his 20-year Mercury period. And then he hits his 25-year peak period, because this is the sign angular to fortune. And that started in 2007 and will continue until 2032. So even even the very day he was born, 
you know, you could have looked at this person's chart and said that it would be between 2007 through 2032 that this person would, uh, you know, reach the uh, peak of their activities. Now, when you overlay this with some of the things that he's already accomplished, we can clearly see that his uh, uh, his Hamilton you know, musical came out during the time of his peak period, and his all of his involvement in all these Disney projects and his general superstardom coincides with his moon uh, period, and that it was during his previous Mercury period that he uh, was working on his first musical that got him into the business, In the Heights, and this is when he was doing a lot of uh, rap and improv um, as well as doing a lot of different odd jobs, because he wasn't like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the superstar we know today. He was, you know, a student. Uh, he was, you know, just trying to survive. Um, so note that Gemini is the sign which is square, his Venus, Saturn, Mars, and Jupiter period. So at the same time that he was kind of, you know, waiting tables or like doing sort of odd jobs, he was also at the same time trying to get his musical seen and produced uh, which it eventually would at the loosing of the bond to Sagittarius within that Gemini period. So um, I just wanted to focus on the fact that, you know, he, the reason why I think this is a good example is because we can see so clearly that it was upon entering the Cancer period that he, um, you know, begins doing the work that he will probably be most known for. And so it was within the first Cancer L2 period between August 2007 and September 2009 that he began writing um, the Hamilton uh, musical. He uh, purchased, he just happened to pick up a book um, by Ron Cherna, the um, who wrote the biography of Hamilton that inspired um, Lin-Manuel Miranda to write a musical about it during the first Cancer L2 period. And then it was during the next... Uh, angle to fortune that he actually began workshopping Hamilton. They actually crafted enough of the songs that they were able to kind of put together rough versions of it. Now it came out in the summer of 2015, but you know, basically this is the beginning of, you know, the massive impact. This is Capricorn, his fortune 10th sign. Mm -hmm. This is when Hamilton really becomes this, you know, cultural phenomenon, uh, sort of global smash hit. And this is just the foreshadowing period. Um, mm -hmm. so this is kind of, you know, this tells us that he is not done. Uh, you know, he, he is, he's on the way towards another loosing of the bond to Capricorn, which is coming up in December of 2024 through March 10th, 2027, which I've kind of nicknamed, you know, this is when he will release his magnum opus, or it will be some sort of variation on his first achievement with the musical Hamilton. So I would think maybe, is this like a live action movie? Like, I know they came out with the like recording uh, back in 2020 on Disney plus. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if that's the same thing as like actually doing like a live action, like production of the uh, musical, like kind of as a movie, I'm not sure how they would do that. I don't know. Or, or maybe this is like a new thing he's working on that would be released at this time, but this would absolutely undoubtedly has to be, you know, the, the peak of his professional and financial activities. It has to be what he's sort of most known for according to uh, this technique. Also, even in between them, this is the period he's in now, his song, you know, We Don't Talk About Bruno from, you know, Encanto from, uh, you know, which is on Disney Plus now. Um, uh, this isn't sponsored by them or anything. 
<laughs> they don't care what I have to say. Um, you know, this is when, yeah, he, he's, you know, number one on billboard charts and various places in the world for this song. And, um, he's also, this is also when he came out with uh, his first movie that he directed. He directed Tick, Tick, Boom, the musical. Um, and then this is also when the movie of In the Heights, uh, premiered, uh, was in this same time period. In fact, it premiered the very day after wow. he entered the Aries, uh, <laughs> period. So sometimes the timing can be eerily you know on point and this is interesting mm -hmm. to think about too because you know if the sign preceding an angle represents periods of build-up then this is obviously the time period in which the film was being you know finished and edited and put together you know this is kind mm -hmm. of before this you know before it's really set but now that he's at the angular period this is the release you know of um of this uh of this uh film so uh, I then anticipate that in 2030 through 2031, he would um, come into a period which is sort of comparable to the period he's in now, where it's he's having a fair amount of good success. It's a really uh, positive time, and that's the sign of fortune, uh, the sign of his ascendant. Um, now, as far as the future, you know, we can see that he's going into a Leo period. Um, there aren't many planets testifying to that sign except Uranus, I guess. And he he does have the sun in the 10th, which might reflect that uh, his ambitions would be towards, you know, uh, glory or even leadership or political activities or something like that. But the sun in Capricorn is in aversion to Leo. So I'm not sure that he would necessarily have luck doing that. It was like, I kind of give it this summary that it would be respectable, but a far cry from his glory days because he will be past, you know, the the this white hot you know, period that he is in right now under cancer. And then, of course, when it gets to the Virgo period, <laughs> it'll be the good, the bad, and all in between, um, you know, because of the activation of the benefics and the malefics all at once uh, in that Virgo period. So that's a long, long time from now. But basically what I'm saying is, is uh, you know, he can't throw away his shot. Um, uh that's a reference to the musical in case you, yes. <laughs> or the, the, I swear to God, there's got to be some Hamilton fans out there who like leapt out of their chairs when I said that. Um, so uh, yeah, um, it's a whole thing. Uh, it's a whole song in the show as he sings mm -hmm. about, you know, I'm not going to throw away my shot. You know, that's my manual impression. Anyway, um, uh, so one other kind of interesting thing is uh, when you go down to like the sub periods, you can see. Uh, you can sometimes see the relationship between uh, a sign, what happens in a sign before the loosing of the bond versus after the loosing of the bond. Now, I wasn't able to get necessarily very precise dates for some of these things, but I think it's very interesting that the the only specific time frame I could find for when Lin-Manuel Miranda first read the Hamilton book was that he was on... Uh, vacation in Mexico in July of 2008. And so he had just entered this Aquarius Elf 3 period. So he was on the Cancer Cancer Aquarius for most of July of 2008. And this is when he read this biography. Now it's possible it was July 1st, probably not. Uh, otherwise he might have been in the Capricorn period. But then the next time he came into that Aquarius period after the loosing of the bond in L3, was when he was asked by the White House to to perform at this uh, like poetry event or this music event 
And he was supposed to perform songs from the Heights, but instead he sneakily decided to uh, kind of preview his demo of the first song from Hamilton just to see what the reaction was. And it was really interesting too, because at the time you can see this on YouTube, uh, he sort of nervously explains the concept that, oh, it's uh you know, it's a, it's a rap, you know, by a founding father, you know, the nation's first treasury secretary. And everyone was laughing, you know, and President Obama and Michelle Obama were there and they were watching this and they were like laughing at it with everyone. And then he performs it. And as he's performing it, you know, the laughter turns into sincere, you know, applause because they realize that, you know, wow, this was actually not bad. You know, this is really, really good. So important moment so i think it's really interesting that the you know there he was under the same l uh three sequence basically when he first read the hamilton biography versus when he first gave the uh you know first sort of public demonstration of this now it's possible he bought the book in june of 2008 and it's possible that in the capricorn loosing the bond maybe that was when he was invited you know to go to the white house I, those dates just aren't public the only time the public saw anything you know is uh during these Aquarius periods. So, I mean, I suspect that it's probably connected to the Capricorn L3s as opposed to the Aquarius L3s, but the only public dates I could find, you know, related to events that happened in the Aquarius period. But of course, this is really important because like Lisa said, you want to check and see what happens in that first L2 because it shows you what, you know, is what the big deal is going to be, you know, and for Lin-Manuel Miranda, it's obviously you know, the first L2 period, the first L3 period connect to, you know, this, this topic of, uh, of the, of Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton and writing this musical about him and everything that sort of came from that. And there's still more to it for some reason, uh, after 2024. So that is what I have to say about Lin-Manuel Miranda's Zadaka releasing, just to keep it simple <laughs> <laughs> that was so great wow yeah so clear like there's so many clear on the nose dates or like you know within a couple of days even it's so mm -hmm. that's why this technique is so wild and definitely worth like spending time with it to digest it and um yeah and work with it especially if you're into timing you know um which I think most astrologers are. I don't know. You kind of have but. to. <laughs> it's the study of time. It's this, you need, that, and that's, yeah. that's something that I find a lot of people tend to struggle with is, you know, I'll, I'll see that they're coming up to a certain period and then to get an idea about it, I'll maybe look back at past iterations of that period. And I feel kind of awkward asking them, oh, do you know what happened in, you know, the summer of 2002? And they're like, I could barely remember what I had for lunch yesterday, like, <laughs> let alone, you know, what happened years and years ago. So it can be tricky. So you do have to, um, uh, I would say, I mean, this would go, I think, in general for most astrology, but um, I think it really would help everyone who is seriously studying astrology to maybe do a spreadsheet, uh, start a spreadsheet and and uh, try to remember, try to recall some of, the, if not exact dates, then at least general time periods within the year when certain things happened to you because the better records you have of your past the better you're going to be able to uh make sense of your chart with respect to transits or progressions or perfections or zodiac releasing so really yeah timing is uh is everything mm -hmm. with this yeah, yeah. 
Timing is kind of, especially when I use zodiac releasing, it's kind of like an extension of your natal chart. Because like we were talking about earlier, you won't hit all the periods possible. You don't hit a few of them. And so, um, at least on level one. And so it does show what either is or is not going to be allowed to manifest from certain placements. And so in essence, that's part of your natal promise. So I always think of that as like part of the natal chart in some ways and not entirely separate because you know, it, because of that reason. Uh, and you don't have to, you, you don't even have to use other techniques with this. I mean, obviously you can augment mm -hmm. it if you want, but it is rather self-contained. Um, mm -hmm. You don't necessarily mm -hmm. have to look at transits or perfections or anything else in order to just right. get a lot of information just from zodiac releasing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll look at some side by side, like with some of the other techniques, as I'm sure you do too, Patrick. Um, yeah. But, but I, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not really like you have to blend it with other things. There will be other things going on, like I was mentioning with um, Kamala Harris's chart, for instance, her transits right now and so forth that are important to know about that you would not get just from the ZR. But, you know, those are kind of major ones. So typically you can use the ZR and see quite a lot. Um, and I like what you were saying about keeping a record or, or looking back and, and seeing what happened during certain periods, because that's often what, when people get like worried, I think people get worried sometimes when they Definitely. start using this. And, um, and so to mitigate that a bit, um, you know, or to ground it rather, um, you know, you can look back at other times you've had those same sign place, sign periods, even if they're on lower levels, you know, so if you can find a level two or even a level three, and see what was going on at that time for you or how it was going qualitatively, um, it gives you some sense as to how that will manifest on bigger levels later because presumably people are worried more about the bigger levels, right? The levels one and two. Um, and so they're like, I'm going to go into this level one in 30 years and it's going to be terrible. <laughs> and it's like, well, look at that sign. And, you know, when did you last have that on a level two? What happened during that period? Yeah. And I mean, that can, I don't know. I think that can be reassuring. Sometimes it can be like, oh, no, no, that's going to be bad. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know. It's, a, it's not the only thing that's going to be going on, regardless. One thing people yeah. should be... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, one thing people should be aware of, too, is sometimes I'll be reading for someone, uh, reading the, like, Zedek releasing from Spirit, and they'll go, oh, that's, like, when I had a breakup, and that's when I had, you know, that's when we got married, or some, whatever it is. And oh, I'll have to kind of gently say, like, I think this is supposed to just be about career and actions, but sometimes... Oh. Right. Sometimes the lot of spirit can be maybe in the same sign as the lot of errors. So in those cases, mm -hmm. you have situations where the uh, the topics of relationships will run parallel to or alongside, you know, career topics. Or in some some cases, you might have errors with fortune, um, you know, or other lots, you know, releasing at the same time. So I have an example of that if you want to take a look. Um, one that I think is just kind of funny um, because of how sort of literal it is in some ways. And that's for the Zadok releasing of Ben Affleck. Um, so Ben Affleck has the uh, lot of fortune and uh, spirit. Sorry, he has a lot of fortune in Aries and he has his lot of spirit in Virgo and he has his lot of... Um, errors in virgo so his spirit and mm. errors release at the same time so this is just uh establishing yeah his peak periods are also the cardinal signs kind of similar to uh Lipman and miranda and uh the succeeding signs are going to be his taurus periods uh sorry his fixed sign periods 
the cadent periods are going to be the mutable signs. So note that the mutable signs are angular to uh, the to uh, Saturn and Mars and Jupiter. So these would have the possibility of being his most negative periods, but Jupiter might offset it some to some degree. So even when you're just looking at his chart, just from the perspective of spirit to start, um, you can see we have to go through the same sort of procedure. Uh, the lot of spirit starts in Mercury, or that starts in Virgo, ruled by Mercury, so that's 20 years to start. Then it progresses to, to Venus, which is his peak period, that eight-year period. Then he moved to a Mars period for 15 years, a Jupiter period for 12 years, and eventually we'll get to another peak period starting in 2026. Um, so when you break this down, and uh, like according to his like film career, what's really interesting is the uh, his big breakout movie was Goodwill Hunting, right? Uh, and that came about when he was in that Libra peak period, which is ruled by Venus, is angular to Venus. Uh, you know, this is his time of breakthrough success as a blockbuster star, and it was even during the peak period on L two that he even filmed that. Uh, that movie uh, and it was during the subsequent Aquarius period that he was able to uh, you know he got an Academy Award for uh, his writing of the script with uh, Matt Damon interestingly when he gets to the Scorpio period starting in 2000 this is when his career really starts to get a lot rockier uh, you know he comes out with a string of flops um, especially focusing on the year 2003-2004, which is interesting because that was his peak period, but it's not necessarily a good one because it's happening in the context of a Mars period. It's happening in the context of a Scorpio period. So we can see, really see the difference between Venus ruling this Libra period versus Mars ruling this uh, Scorpio period. And um, uh, so what's interesting about this as well is, um, well... I know to hear the other sort of main peaks of his uh, career, he was really um, probably his best uh, success as a movie maker in this time was his direction of the film Argo, which was released during his uh, cancer period, which contains his Venus. So even though there were, even though this overall period definitely had like more of its ups and downs and distinct sort of negatives, um, the, uh, the individual subperiods seem to indicate like what points of opportunity there existed in this sort of more difficult period. Now, um, when he gets to the Sagittarius period, this is Sagittarius is where he has his Jupiter. Now it's not the sect in favor, but it is in its own sign, but it's also the sign that contains the malefics, uh, you know, opposing and squaring uh, Sagittarius. So what's really interesting is that it right at the, in 2015, he gets cast as Batman uh, and this is a huge deal uh, for him in many ways because this is, you know, a huge character to win the role for. But the movies he was in were kind of beset by a lot of difficulties and troubles. Um, Batman versus Superman in 2016 was not as well received, even though it was, you know, contains two of the largest, you know, intellectual property uh, yeah, characters uh, from Warner Bros. And then Justice League as well in that same time period was was um, should have been really, really good, but it was kind of come, came into a lot of production issues because the director, Zack Snyder, he had like a family tragedy. And then he, so he ended up having to leave the movie and then they brought in another director and it kind of messed up the movie. And so it, he was kind of, <laughs> it was it was supposed to be good. It was Jupiter and Sagittarius, right? But it kind of got undone or, or was tarnished in some ways by these other external factors. 
And so it's, I think this is a really interesting manifestation of the way that the malefics and benefics can both play a role, you know, in the quality of these times. And, um, you know, he hasn't even gotten to the end of this yet, but I think what's interesting is we can see that he will be coming up to a major peak period, his fortune from 10th period in 2026. Mm. It's interesting to consider what that could even be about. You know, is this continuing to work in movies? I presume so. It's also interesting because his past Capricorn L2 periods featured Ben Affleck as a darker superhero, antihero, Daredevil, and Batman. So I'm I'm just sort of thinking, like, maybe that would just be when he becomes most known for his portrayal of a villain-type character, or... Or uh, because Capricorn is also ruled by a Saturn and Gemini in the 12th house. So you can kind of see how just looking at the major, you know, um, uh, L1 periods uh, can give you kind of a fairly decent breakdown of um, kind of the ups and downs of one's career. And then you can sort of get more detail by looking at these uh, individual subperiods. But the really hilarious part, though, is that his... A uh, lot of errors is also in Virgo. So his, for this. so his like, lot of errors. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so this is why how it's really funny because he's acted in movies alongside several real life romantic partners, including his ex wife Jennifer Garner, Jennifer Lopez, Gwyneth Paltrow, Anna de Armas, and presumably others. I also just want to say here, you know, to avoid getting sued or anything, like you know, I'm only going off of what's basically public information, so I'm not making any kind of insinuations here as to the character of Ben Affleck. But um, <laughs> um, so what's interesting is so after um, his, basically the Scorpio period, you can almost sum up the Scorpio period as his marriage to Jennifer Garner because he first met Jennifer Garner in the summer of 2000 when they were on the set of Pearl Harbor. And um, he went, entered that Scorpio period in, in March of 2000. And by the time they got to like 2005 they were married and then they only split up after he entered that Sagittarius period mm. so all, for almost that entire Scorpio period he had been he had known and or been involved with Jennifer Garner but not before that point only after that point and um the Jennifer Lopez the jet the benefer phenomenon that took place during his fortune 10th eros period uh, June 9th, 2002. We're going to look take a little deeper look into into Benefer 1.0 uh, because, <laughs> you know, this is fascinating from the perspective of this technique. Um, uh, so, first of all, uh, the, the relationship with Lopez went public in July of 2002, uh, which is when Lopez divorced her husband and... Uh, interesting in the same time period this is when he shot daredevil with his future wife jennifer garner in june of 2002 and this is occurring right in, in uh, as wow. he's entered this capricorn fortune 10th eras period so he was already with j-lo at this point but that was just when they went public and at the same time they went public he is on the set of daredevil with his future wife jennifer garner and he has said in, in interviews since that that was actually where they fell in love was on the set of daredevil so it wasn't when they first met back in in uh, the summer of 2000. It was on Daredevil where they sort of had a connection. Um, and so what's interesting, you can see these peaks in his errors seem to coincide with things that are happening with him in Ghana. So it's interesting because you'd think 
oh, this is about J-Lo. Well, it is, but, you know, Jennifer Garner's um, uh, relationship seems to figure in here as well. There was a TV show that came on in early January, was filmed in early January of uh, 2003, and a lot of people have sort of pointed to that as like, you know, a moment where they had to have, you know, suspected that there might have been something between Affleck and Garner. Um, Garner separated from her spouse during this uh, cancer period, and then Lopez and Affleck called off the wedding due to media attention. Um, it was supposed to happen on September 14th, 2003. So if you look there, mm-hmm. the Scorpio period started September 12th. So literally just before the, that Scorpio came in, that was when they they canceled uh, the wedding. And then the loosing of the bond in this period uh, was when Lopez broke up with Ben Affleck in January of 2004. So that's interesting because we typically associate that with being a bad event, but cancer is where his Venus is. So yes, it was sad, but that also freed him up to go after Jennifer Garner because then, because at the next peak periods, uh, you know, Jennifer Garner was fully freed up from her then husband and we don't know when exactly they got together, but um, it's like mid-2004 is the is closest or, or most precise I could find. So basically, you can see that prior to the loosing of the bond, this is about Benifer and Jennifer Lopez. Um, this is when it goes public, time of extraordinary public attention, uh, relationship suffers from invasion of privacy, media scrutiny. It was a high-profile year for Ben Affleck professionally as well. Uh, he appeared in the movie with J-Lo uh, in uh, Geely, which a lot of people say is one of the worst yeah. movies ever made. So, so we see like he, so what's so funny about this is like professionally it was a P he was most visible, right? He was on every like newspaper you could find. It was like, he was, they were the, you know, Benefer was the, the tabloid sensation, you know, of the early two thousands. And, um, you know, and, but it's kind of bad, you know, it's tarnished by the, by that kind of scrutiny and and lack of privacy and and it also stunk for him at the box office he was in like a ton of movies that year he was supposed to be like in this great movie you know he's supposed to be a marvel superhero you know in daredevil and it kind of stunk like you know he won a golden raspberry for worst actor in these roles so this is a good example of a peak not necessarily being good and that's why i'm also thinking ahead to this you know capricorn l1 period starting in 2026 as being like you know, maybe like he'll be prominent, but not necessarily in a very good way, uh, potentially. And then post loosening of the bond is when he ends up with Jennifer Garner. Uh, this is when the relationship with Jennifer Lopez ends, retreats from the limelight, presumably for the better. And the relationship with Jennifer Garner begins at some point in that time. So you can kind of see the difference in quality between the pre-loosing, post-loosing. Um, so here's my explanation for why they're back together. Um, so Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez met on the set of Julie sometime between December 10th to 31st of 2001 under Scorpio on L1, Sagittarius on L2, and Pisces on L3. And public reports say that 20 years later, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez start dating again in April 2021, which happened while Sagittarius was on L1 and Pisces was in L2. So in other words, mm-hmm. the sequence under which they first met... <laughs> you know, had Sagittarius Pisces that was in the mix of of that sequence, and then when those two signs became the larger level periods mm. on L one to L two, that's when they came back together again. Which begs the question: you know, if this is equivalent to this, then this would seem to imply that 
part of the reason he comes back into the limelight in 2026 is that this wouldn't just be some career thing where he, you know, become reaches a new notorious level, but because of who he's with as well. Um, so uh, it might not be JLo, but what if it's JLo? <laughs> you know, because in the previous L2, you know, in the Sagittarius L2, that was when he met Jennifer Lopez. In the Capricorn L2, that was when they were together and then they broke up the LOB, which would seem to suggest that the same pattern applied to L1 would say like, okay, this Sagittarius period is about him being with Jennifer Lopez and then Capricorn period would be like, you know, following through with that or something or going public with it or being married and then divorcing at the LOB the loosing of the bond in a similar way that they broke up at the loosing of the bond uh back in 2002 so you can kind of make these connections across time um which is why it's really important to know when things happened you know because small things sometimes add up to larger uh things and the the sequences that are releasing can give you insight into that so that's that's uh wow. how i make sense of it um you know when releasing from errors his mercury period the the main person he was with in high school was this woman sharon rothman who's now a director the libra period seemed to revolve around gwyneth paltrow at least the end of it the scorpio period was his jennifer garner period basically with marriage and children and it is the fifth house in his chart Mm -hmm. and then the jupiter period that he's in now he's been involved with several women um you know so i see this as like jupiter's good but like you know, it's uh, it's also opposed by Saturn and squared by Mars. You know, he's made many public comments about how he like he regrets getting divorced and like how, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of memes saying about how he you know hasn't been uh, terribly happy. And so, um, you know, he's kind of got involved with past women he's been involved with, some new ones. It's kind of a mixed period, right? It's like yeah. okay, he's getting some, but you know, only because he you know has has lost you know someone he really loved, you know, in Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets to Capricorn, we know like it's gonna be it's gonna be big. Twenty twenty six, it will be big, whoever it is. But I mean, yeah, so my guess might be Benefer forever. Um, <laughs> but maybe not, you know, it but it would tell us like this will be a new period at both in his um professional role or in his uh for what he's most known for. And there would probably be some notoriety associated with that, especially on account of whoever the person he's with at that time so that is how i think these topics are sort of connected in his life you know they they do coincide you know his however well his love life is doing is sort of like how well his career is doing in a sense Mm -hmm. uh with uh, a lot of arrows and spirit being in the same sign so pretty cool i thought yeah that's a really that's a cool example i haven't i haven't like I mean, I don't, I don't work with ZR personally, like with clients, but I haven't really even like conceptualized that. So that's, that was really helpful. I, it's the whole time I'm like, I wonder where the asteroid Jennifer is in his chart. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it with him and Jennifer's? Right. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Okay. I think we should probably wrap up. I've had you guys <laughs> sitting here for forever talking about ZR. It's been so nice. Um, yeah. Do you have any, any, oh, I have one last thought. Okay, yeah, good. And then I'll I'll leave last thoughts for you guys. Um, If you are younger listening to this, you know, in your early 20s, like this is such a good, it's, it's, would be so helpful to get started now and start tracking what's going on in your life now because you will, 
you know, your future self will be very, very happy with your, your current self um, by, you know, just keep a journal, just write some stuff down, you know, like, especially not even just during peaks, but um, start making sense of the, this now because you have a lot more time to sort of like really, um, yeah, digest it and make sense of it. Um, that was that was my last note. Just if you're younger, like I get really excited about younger astrologers who are like, yes, I'm going to start tracking things now because it's like, yes, that's what we all wish we, you know, <laughs> we did when we were younger, too. So, yeah. How about you guys? Do you have any kind of final final thoughts to leave people about ZR? You can do a uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I was waiting waiting for you because I'd spoken a while. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. well, I would say, yeah, I, I would say, I would say track what you, uh, start making a chronicle of your life, a chronology. Um, and I would say that, you know, honestly, this is definitely one of the most advanced text techniques that there are in, um, in astrology. And it's, there's a lot of like built-in requirements or requisites, prerequisites, you know, to being able to do this sort of fluently. Um, you have to know the rulerships, you have to know the sect, you have to understand the houses, you have to um, understand aspects and superior aspects versus inferior aspects and all of these different things. So I would say, you know, don't get, you know, if you get frustrated at first learning this, it's, it's okay. Cause it's pretty complicated and, it's going to take a while to um to understand and i would say probably the best resource available to learning how to do this would probably be uh the astrology podcast episode that lisa and chris did on zadak releasing that's been a great primer i think for a lot of people that's free um I would also recommend, you know, Chris Brennan's Hellenistic Astrology course, you know, that has a Zodiac releasing module at some point. I'd like to uh, write something about it or, or, or make something uh, on uh, all my different findings with uh, Zodiac releasing, but it's nowhere near ready yet. Um, so there's not a whole lot of places you can go to get a kind of good information on this, but I do have uh, some articles on my uh, website and some papers that I've written about uh, Zodiac releasing that really get into some of the nitty gritty and sort of the intricacies of all of this. And um, I'd also recommend, well, I think Lisa, you have some talks that people might be able to access, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm going to be giving um, a talk on the sub periods at the ESAR conference later this year, um, nice. August, 2022. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, were you done, Patrick? Oh, no, I'm done. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. (laughs) Um, I think for me, I mean, uh, I would recommend, as I mentioned earlier, just watch your, if you're trying to learn stack or releasing, certainly learn the prerequisites, learn the techniques, but also watch your own for a very long time. Because I have seen sometimes people sort of, you know, in positive and negative ways, but usually in worried ways, um, you know, get some sort of preconceptions very early on about like that their life is doomed or something based on this. And and so it's really important to learn all the pieces, which we've not presented all of them today, um, you know, so that you can keep it in proper perspective. Um, the other thing that can be true, I think, is not just 
age-wise, but if you're starting to look at it, it can take a while um, to see some perspective. I mean, I think it's easier when you're looking at it as an older person um, because you have more to track already versus when you're starting out, if you've only gone through like part of a level one and you've never even switched to level ones, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you're just not going to have as much to track to see how it's been working. So I'd say, um, you know, keep proper perspective until then. I have occasionally seen people say, oh, it's not working at all. I'm like, yeah, it is working, but you haven't moved along in your timeline enough yet to, to see why, you know, and no one can tell you why either other than the outlines of it. Um, so I think that's important to know at the start. I'm just thinking of like sort of pitfalls that I've seen to avoid. Um, you know, there's a really great technique, you know, that shows the big picture and small details, which like few techniques do both of very well. Um, this does do both very well. And um, what was the other thing I was going to mention? Um, yeah, I think it shows that the universe is like stranger than we think. I think different astrologers have different levels of like philosophical impact <laughs> from this. Mm -hmm. But certainly I think everyone has to think about it um, as a result because it just shows that the universe is very strange. It also shows that in a really positive way, to me anyway, um, it's like the scaffolding. It's like the time scaffolding of the universe that you don't know about until you learn it. And then it's like, oh, there's this whole other, you know, structure to life that's happening like underneath us that we're not even aware of. And then you can become aware of it, which is really cool, I think. I think all of astrology does that to some extent when you learn about different planetary cycles and perfections and different things like that. But this is like a particularly intricate scaffolding. Um, they're like, oh my God, why does the universe do this? <laughs> but it does. Fractal organization, self-similarity. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's part of it. Scaffolding is a, is a great way of thinking about it. Um, and yeah, patience. It, it definitely requires patience, this technique, but definitely mm -hmm. worth putting in the time to, to really learn it and digest it. Amazing. Can can we tell people where they can find more information about you, potentially book or yeah, learn. I know both of you have have done so much. <laughs> You've done so much and you put so so many classes and webinars and courses out there. So, um yeah, Lisa, do you want to start by telling mm -hmm. people where they can find you? Sure. My website is just lisashime.com. Um you can see the spelling from my name. It's not phonetic. Um and um, I'm going to be speaking at the Norwalk conference in late May in 2022 and doing, um, as I mentioned, a lecture on ZR subperiods at ESAR late August 2022, as well as doing a, a pre-conference workshop on electional astrology. So you can cool. find me in those places. Um, I also do a, a monthly electional podcast, as I think I mentioned early on. So you can find me there uh, under the astrology podcast. And... Yeah, I think those are the main things that I have going on right now. Awesome. Yeah, I took your, you did an electional workshop early in the pandemic, like to early mm -hmm. 2020. I remember I did that. That was awesome. So yes, I'll, I'm, I'm excited to see you at Norwalk and ESAR. I'll be speaking at both too. So Great. cool. And Patrick. Uh, you can find uh, my um, consultation offerings and services and articles at my website www.patrickwatsonastrology.com and you can also follow me on twitter at pwatsonastro um 
not really on Facebook anymore, but it's facebook.com slash P Watson Astro. <laughs> I'm mostly on Twitter um, these days, but uh, you can also find me on YouTube as well. I have my old embarrassing videos up there that need to be <laughs> edited and taken down and renewed. But um, yeah, that's, I'm, yeah, you can find me at patrickwatsonastrology.com. Awesome. Thank you both so much. This was so great. Super appreciate it. Yeah, thanks it. for having us. Thank you. Alrighties. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, it was a true treat for me to record. So thanks for tuning in. <laughs> and be sure to check out Lisa and Patrick and their work. They're truly like icons in this field. So again, it was like such a pleasure. Um, and be sure you're following us on the socials. I'm at the astrology. We're at the astrology show on Instagram, um, at the underscore 11th underscore house underscore. <laughs> um, and yeah, be sure you're like, you know, liking up, 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 thumbs upping, <laughs> subscribing, um, you know, tagging us on the gram and on Twitter and all the things. It's it's always so great to hear your thoughts about um, the show and the episodes. So always appreciating that. And of course, check out the astrology sh shop, astrology.com slash shop. Check out the cool on-demand classes and workshops I have to offer. Um, I won't, I'm not teaching online again this year at all. Um, outside of Spirit Confluence, um, which is gathering at the end of this month on the 26th and 27th. Yeah. Which is Exaltation. It's what it's called. Oh, sorry. That's the lie. It's called Witch's Evolution. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, which is Evolution at Spirit Confluence 2022 is um, both virtual and online virtual and in person is what I meant to say Jesus in LA um but that's like the only time I'm teaching online this year other otherwise it's just in person baby got the retreat we're doing workshops in New York and in LA and in London um retreat in France we have some fun stuff planned this year so again be sure you're on my mailing list and um see you again next time Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye.